listening to the bomb hole. Bomb hole podcast. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. <laughs> the bomb going to slide down them big hills. You know what I mean? On the big, nice, burgundy snowboard. Okay, here we go again. We are back in the booth here at the bomb hole, which is presented by Pub Beer. Buds, first things first. A, Rezzy's looking strong and patriotic. And uh, <laughs> B, how you doing today? So good, my dog. God, love hearing that. To my left, we got Maggie Leon in the booth today. Maggie, how are we feeling today? Stoked to be here. It's crazy to hear that intro in real life. <laughs> yeah, well, we're happy to have you here. So for people that are unfamiliar with Maggie and her body of work, we'll call it. Uh, Maggie is a snowboarder slash mechanical engineer. You can't really put her in a particular category. She's on the forefront of snowboarding progression. She destroys street spots, films video parts, wins rail jams. She just won the damn Red Bull heavy metal. All while crushing a career in mechanical engineering for Burton. She develops their products you see in their line, as well as develops the adaptive program for people like amputees and stuff like that. So really, really cool career choice. But I want to start things off with Red Bull heavy metal. We were just there. It was incredible to watch you destroy the park setup. How did it feel to uh, come away with the W in that? Thank you. Uh, It was the craziest event. That felt unreal, honestly. Like flying out there alone and just meeting up with some friends was, it helped a lot because I was definitely pretty anxious going into it. Having never been to the Midwest, but obviously seeing a bunch of stuff from Cascade Park hundreds of times, I feel like, over and over was pretty cool. Um, Arriving was definitely pretty intimidating it was a really cool like lineup of people honestly once I dropped out of the tower it really fired me up to just start pushing myself a little bit more I went in just with the mentality of having fun not really expecting anything at all like to be blatantly honest and yeah it was honestly winning it felt crazy like my brother called me afterwards and he's like how much did you win I was like I don't even know I didn't even know how much it was <laughs> so so how much was it five grand Woo! <laughs> Wrong sound bite. Let's hit him with the money. The money. There, there it is. is. There it is. <laughs> um, that's killer. Now, going back to the contest, I thought the energy was so cool to see, you know, you're in a park that is surrounded by walls of people. It must. It just felt like it was a cool thing for the snowboard culture in oh general. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah, I loved it. Like, my favorite contest every year was Rails to Riches at Killington. So, it was really cool to be at an event similar, but obviously on a way larger scale. Because I missed that. It was awesome. Like, Rails to Riches was really cool, too, because my mom would come out because she lives in Killington. So it would be like all of like our family would be there and everyone would just be like cheering each other on. It just felt like kind of similar where it's like a hometown sort of a vibe and everyone came out, even if they don't snowboard, just to kind of watch all the action go down. Totally. I like how they had the men and women shredding together. Seemed oh, like yeah. It was really pushing progression, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's often a mistake when they divide it just yeah. because like... I don't know. That's how I like to ride. I ride with my brother and all of our best friends and it's a bunch of dudes and it pushes me for sure. That's killer. Now, going back to Rails to Riches, I know you dominated the East Coast uh, <laughs> Rail Jam circuit. I don't know if that's a real thing, but uh, <laughs> I, I know you've pretty much won and podiumed at pretty much every East Coast Rail Jam ever. Well, what do you th- What do you think your uh, your stack of of accolades is up to for for like? It's got to be crazy, right? No idea. I mean, honestly, our family loves Rail Jams. My mom's always yeah. watching. She picks up on tricks too which nice. is like pretty funny. She'll like notice all the girls different tricks. So like, I don't know, a good example is like Ari Marone. She's like, I know she loves the nose press front one, like stuff like that. So it's just fun. Like having my mom come and have everyone be there. I don't know. I would always go just cause oftentimes like there aren't any girls. So I'm like, whatever, I'll just go and be the only one and just ride. Mm-hmm. 
That's killer. Well, let's run it back to where you grew up and where you sharpened your teeth snowboarding and stuff. So I grew up in Simsbury, Connecticut, and uh, my brother and I, Joey, we were riding ski sundown every night, basically till closing, except for on Wednesdays, which was uh, American Idol night. <laughs> so <laughs> incredible. <laughs> but yeah, we love ski sundown. It was it definitely shaped us for sure. We started snowboarding, I think, when I was seven. I found this photo the other day of Joey and I at the golf course. We found these. Uh, my mom got us Kmart boards, so we would like rip them together and just like build little jumps and stuff, and then. My dad got us into lessons at sundown um, when I was probably like eight, I think. And then we met this one dude, Raph. He was like the only instructor on the mountain that rode park. And I remember we would always say like he had the sickest butters because he would do like front twos onto boxes and just keep spinning. And so then instead of like paying out an instructor, he would pay out Raph like separately. And Raph would just like show us around the mountain. And I remember he, um, I was talking about this story the other day. He set up his glove like vertically like this while we were waiting for my dad to pick us up. He's like, all it. And I remember like so perfectly just walking up to the top and being like, this is so sick. I'm going to ollie the glove. Like it's going to be insane. And like, we couldn't ollie the glove and it took us like a week to figure out how to like get over it. But from that point on, Joey and I were like only in the park mm-hmm. and the park was kind of janky too. So it's like, I don't know. They definitely tried their best, but a lot of the features were super, super sticky. Like even doing a 50, it would grip you and like tomahawk you. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. So they would leave, um, this like lubricant kind of at the base of like the tower. It was called slippery stuff. And you could like grab slippery stuff and like spray the rail with it. And then it would work for like two runs. And then you have to get it again and like spray more slippery stuff. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I grew up, I rode ski sundown when I was living back East a bunch. So I, I know you're Did talking you ever about, come to the main event? Uh, I've been to a few. I don't know if I went to the main event at sundown though. Was, was there one there? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. We have footage. Uh, my dad was like filming the event. This one dude did like, I think it was a back seven or something. And he drifted really heavily and he hit the lift. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a, I rode ski sundown too back in the day. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. Some good. Yeah. Lived in Connecticut for a little bit. That's wild. Solid fundamentals. If you're boomerang hooking off the lip and hitting a lift, hitting tower, a lift, that's tower. some respect right there. <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't know how to hit jumps at all. Like we would call it like a cutoff jump, where it like would drop. <laughs> I remember just dropping to flat, like at age nine, and just being like, "This is crazy!" Like well, you just, just drop off the back. Yes, of the jump. I didn't even know how to like. Ollie like off the, the lift to the landing. Like, I had no clue what I was doing. One thing I was curious about, because a lot of people are from all these different areas, right? So, growing up on the East Coast, Ski Sundown's a pretty standard issue East Coast resort. Oh, it's yeah. tiny. And I think it shapes people's riding. Whether there's, like, everything becomes, like, a jump. If it's a if there's a six-inch, like, rut, you're trying to chuck a 360 out of it. And so, how do you think growing up riding ice, shitty small mountains, like, helps your snowboarding coming from the East I think it helps a lot. It helped and it pushed me to just try weird shit, basically. I don't know. There was a a phase like at the beginning, like fifth, sixth, seventh grade, where I broke like three bones because I was just like trying things and everything was so firm and the lighting like was pretty poor. I remember my mom tried to bribe me like, she's like, we'll pay you three grand to start dancing like ballet. And I was like, fuck no. And I just like stuck with it. Just to stop you from breaking yeah, bones Yeah, because she was there. like, it's it's like too gnarly up there for you guys. And that they had a, um, a snow skate park at the base too. So you could like snow skate, which they had to close because too many people broke their wrists. Oh my God. All right, we're going to get into a guest question, which is presented by Capita. Uh, before we get into that, we got to talk to you guys about Capita. It's exciting, huh, buds? It's really exciting. They're supporting the show. Uh, we're so happy to be a part of what they're doing over at Capita. Why is that, buds? I'll tell you what, they're supporting us, they're supporting the show, but beyond that, it's the it's the product, it's the people, it's the mothership, it's the whole crew over there, it's the t- total yeah. package. So the mothership is their factory over in Austria that is 
100% renewable energy. Uh, it's totally responsible manufacturing. It's an incredible feat they've done. And more importantly than that, the people that are part of Capita behind the scenes, uh, in front of the scenes, they're a great brand, and we're just happy to be partnered up with them. I've been testing some of the boards. Uh, I've been riding this Mercury, which is what Arthur Longo rides. The thing is out of hand. Is that how that guy's able to uh, do what he does it's, on a slope? He's actually not good at snowboarding. It's just <laughs> it's the, the Capita Mercury that actually helps him for that. <laughs> I got to get one of those. You got to get one, buds. You'll be doing switch McTwists in about five minutes when you get on one. Maybe 30 feet out, like, yeah, 30 like feet Arthur. Out. Let's yeah, go. Exactly. I'm in. Sign me up. So again, guest question is presented by Capita. Let's, uh, let's get into it. What up, Maggie? What up, Bombhole? How we doing? So Maggie, I just wanted to ask you a question real quick. How did you manage to break your collarbone so many consecutive years and still come back firing? And also, can you please explain the term compress and expand? Uh, yeah. It's a very solid question. Well, the first break was pretty minor, but then the second break was also, eh. Second break was a little more extreme. The third break was, was tough because I had to get like a plate and screws and all that um, up in Quebec City was honestly like really annoying, but yeah, I mean breaking bones, especially when you're a kid, you heal up so quickly, and like all you want to do is get back on snow and learn more stuff. So it never really like like messed with me too much, especially because I was so young. Whereas like now, if you're out for like a couple months, it's gonna make you think a little bit more about the trajectory of your career, all that kind of stuff. But at a young age, you just you're just bouncing back um, and compress and expand. So. At a super young age, my mom noticed that a lot of women have trouble bending their knees. And my dad would always talk about it, too. We were like, why are these girls not bending their knees? Like, what's going on? And so I would, like, heavy bend my knees because I really wanted to, like, make sure that I was, like, compressing on the landings and, like, bouncing back up, stuff like that. Um, so, like, a big part of growing up, I was just focused on, like, absorbing landings just because I had so many injuries, I think. I don't know. Well, but um, I also wonder, too, because... All right, I got to ask, you're, you obviously have a mechanical engineer's mind, right? So, like, you know, your brother told me a story about when you were five or something, you wanted duct tape for Christmas so you could, like, just make shit, you know? So I always I always wonder, like, I know Nils Mindick, he's a mechanical engineer, I believe, too. And the way he breaks down body mechanics is very mechanical engineer style. He's like, he can dissect exactly why your body's not doing the things it needs to. Do you dissect you know, human mechanics in kind of a, an engineering mindset? I think so. I'm definitely um, kind of like rigid or like binary minded in that sense, for sure, which helps but hurts sometimes. But yeah, I mean, especially working with a lot of riders as of recently, I've been thinking about it a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'd say I definitely dissect tricks and spots in that sense, at least. Killer. Well, let's get into going back to the, the love for mechanical engineering. Uh, how did that come about? So my dad was a chemical engineer. He made UV coating. So he made polymers, oligomers, and monomers. And I remember um, in, I think it was my third grade class, you could write a paper on anything that you wanted. So I wrote it on polymers, oligomers, monomers, curable UV coatings, just because like I'd go to his office and I remember I'd bring like popsicle sticks in and we would like coat them and we would like label all the different durometers of each material. And I was like obsessed with it for some strange reason. So you working on coatings for Oakley? He was, yeah, yeah. actually. That was one of his clients. So... Yeah, which was funny because we would send sponsor me to Oakley and Burton in like fifth grade when I was 10. <laughs> but but yeah, I don't know. I always knew I wanted to be an engineer because I had all these little side projects with my dad. Like we'd get, I remember for Christmas, I'd get like a solar panel or like 
I don't know, a little like wiring set to figure out how to solder something, stuff along those lines. And I just like ate it up. Like I loved it. So I always knew that I wanted to be an engineer. I didn't really know what type of engineering. At first I thought chemical and then I took a few chem classes and was not down. It's just like not how my brain works. But yeah, I definitely knew I wanted to go to UVM later into college. I mean, later into high school, which was interesting because my dad passed away senior year of high school, which was horrible timing. But he was able to come and visit the schools with me and he heavily pushed UVM. He's like, it'll be perfect. Like you can ride. They have a good snowboard scene. You know, you can they're now ABET accredited for engineering and it's just perfect. You could work at Burton possibly. So I ended up kind of honing in on my different options and went with UVM and it was like the best choice ever. It was mm-hmm. perfect. I'm so happy I did that. That's killer. That's really killer. Um, before we go into full-blown mechanical engineering career stuff though, we should maybe just stay on target with the, like the arc, the, the trajectory of, I don't know why I hate calling snowboarding a career. It's such a weird term, but like, you know, There's how, so how, how, how you sharpened your teeth snowboarding and like the, how that trajectory went up. Cause I know you've been filming with the Spotheads crew and you've had these day one homies that you've <laughs> always rode with. Yeah, that's, that's really funny actually. So after riding sundown, my parents met in Killington. So we've had the house my whole life. Um, once my parents knew we really wanted to, to dive into the snowboard thing, they were like, all right, well, let's get you in with a real program. So we did the Killington mountain school weekend program just for Saturday and Sunday. And we'd have a couple coaches and a good group of people, like George sitting over there. Give him my, an air horn. One of my best friends. And uh, Fern, who we still film with, this was when we were kind of developing like our riding style, what we liked to do. We all thought we wanted to do slope, just like every little kid. Mm-hmm. And we'd go to USASAs together. Our big family trip every year was always to Copper. That kind oh, of you thing. made nationals. Yeah, nationals. There, oh, there, yeah. There. Ringer, yep. It was awesome. I loved nationals. That's Southern Vermont series now, which was once Green Mountain series, I believe. Yep. yep. Always driving around, chasing... For like the, <laughs> I remember we'd be trying to press to get Joey in because he wasn't like in a mountain school and like doing as many events as the other dudes. So we'd be like driving up to like New Hampshire, seeing if points could transfer and stuff like that. That's sick. Now, and you guys were part of the KMS, but just the weekend program, right? <laughs> yeah, just the weekend program. Uh, we applied to like a bunch of mountain schools, but my parents like couldn't afford it. So we were just looking to see how much funding we could get and none of them really made sense. So we just stuck with the weekend program. But it was funny because... So I was talking to George about this uh, last night, actually. we were, This was when we were, really didn't know what type of snowboarding we wanted. We didn't know it was cool at all. We didn't know what was up. And so we would just ride Dark Park every night and, like, learn about, like, what videos we like to watch, what type of snowboarding we like to watch, what type of tricks we like to choose based kind of from an inspirational side, like, from the videos. And, like, just kind of going back and forth, like, sitting on the couches at Dark Side for hours and hours and hours, learning about products, talking to people, like, just, like, being annoying shop kids kind of. I remember our first sponsor was, oh my God, it was this Russian dude. And the company was called Johnny Russia American Clothing. His name was Avatis. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) He he came from Russia and was like targeting us for some strange reason. Like they do K-Town showdowns, like events at Killington. And it was like always like just uh, everyone from KMS weekend basically there. And he would like hand out t-shirts and they were... Their logo was super weird. It was like this very like cutty looking bunny. He was kind of scary looking, honestly. There were like two bunnies. And I remember he was like, you guys will be able to like have, be like heavily involved on the product side, figure out what you want to do with it. So I, I suggested to him, I was like, oh, like Candy Grand has this cool hoodie with like little zippers on the side, like small zippers. Like that would be awesome. My stuff always falls out of my hoodie, like that kind of a thing. He took the zipper idea and he fucking ran that thing up. He put zippers everywhere. Like they were like this big. Z- like zippers everywhere like zipper extensions of tall tees like crazy stuff 
I remember there's actually like a photo of Joey in like the tall two with like the zipper extension that looked like a skirt kind of. It was oh the God. the wackest looking. I'm sorry, I have a tease, but the wackest looking thing I've ever seen. And like at that point, we were kind of just like, all right. We, and then he started making bikinis and it's like just weird stuff. And we were like, all right, we got to move on from this uh, Johnny Russia thing. Yeah, that is that is absolutely insane. Sounds like a great clothing company. <laughs> uh, I want to rewind back earlier to what you were saying though, talking about spending a lot of time at shops and obviously with everything now being direct to consumer. Just want to make a little footnote of how important shops are for the culture, for the community, for a, a gathering place for people like Maggie and your brother and your whole crew to go learn. But I want to know specifically like what videos shaped your riding or got you into it. Of course, Videograss, hugely peep show. Like peep show Winter Wars when that movie came out, Joey and I would just watch it basically every car ride to Killington. Just because it was cool seeing a bunch of women riding. Like, I always looked up to Jess, Kimura, and Desiree hugely. Like, those, I would just watch their parts all the time. But when Peep Show came out, I was like, oh, my God, there's a lot of girls doing this thing. And, like, I kind of saw myself in that direction, but I wasn't, like, totally sure yet. But it was, that movie, like, changed and shaped my life for sure. No question. When did you guys form the Spotheads? So we've been filming together for a super long time. Um, I mean, previously, Joey's edited Mercy, Processing Delay, and then there was another movie which somehow got fully deleted off his computer. It was, yeah, it was a I heard, about, I heard about this. He wasn't happy about no, this. No, it was kind of my fault. Yeah. <laughs> like a whole season of footage yeah. lost? Yeah. Nothing was backed up. Like, <laughs> What, did yeah. you, you unplug the drive or something? And I don't really remember. I just remember he had like a finicky computer. I like was looking at a clip. Like I don't know. Oh. Something happened. It was like full, all the full parts were gone. Yeah. yeah. I think Joey's still a little resentful. Yeah, he that. is. But we always say like, when we all die, we're going to get to watch that shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. True advice right That's there. That's so dope. Because we're like referencing songs or like shots in it. And like some of us like argue about what's in it and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know. We'll see it at some point. I yeah. think Spotheads is a dope name for a crew. Oh, Solid Joey name. texted me the name one day and he's like, what do you think of Spotheads? I was like perfect mm-hmm. i was really excited about it yeah solid name so in regards to your crew um i have a great question from ashley uh, again guest question presented by capita here we go what up bomb hole hype that you have my girl maggie in the booth maggie i've been shooting photos of you since you were in high school and even back then i knew that there was something special about your riding and over the past couple years, it's been so awesome to see the spotlight on you. And you've made such a good point of bringing your crew and your mentors and everyone that's closest with you, you've brought along the way. And I think that's so awesome of you to do. And it's just part of who you are. And I would love for you to talk about that a little bit more and dig a little bit deeper on why that means so much to you. Hope you're having a fun time. All right. See ya. <laughs> Love Ashley. She's the best. I don't know. It's pretty fun because uh, when I started riding Sugarbush back in high school, that's when I met like Paul and Ashley and a bunch of people who were staying at the garrison. Yeah, Paul. <laughs> Which was awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know. I The people that I, that I film with are my best friends. And I don't know. Obviously, you're going to feel more comfortable and excited and confident to hit stuff that maybe you're a little bit, you know, weary of but then joey's pointing his camera at me being like you got this shit like i've seen you do like similar stuff you know what i mean so like having like the recognition and like it's just like being reassured by the people that you're with that like they know you're riding you know yourself they know how you know you can trust them to film it properly and everyone's always scouting out spots for each other so like 
it's kind of cute. I'll get like a text from my mom of like a spot be like, what do you guys think of this? And like, sometimes like we'll go back and forth, but like whenever we find spots, we always know what's best for what type of person just like to cater to their riding style. So it's really cool. Cause everyone supported each other like really heavily throughout like our filming process, just because like a lot of our earlier stuff wasn't like as legit, obviously, cause we were learning, we still are learning, but like at this point in time, we kind of we have it like a little bit more dialed. We know what we like to hit. We know what we like to ride. So like if it's a photo spot then I know Ashley could take a fucking sick fish photo of I'm going to hit her up instantly and she'll usually come out. But especially with Joey, like he has school and stuff, but I'll text him like maybe a photo of something I want to hit and he'll just drop everything to come out and do it with me. And so sick. And like, we have like a dynamic that I think works really, really well just because like I've been riding with George and Fern and Joey since we were actual kids. So I don't know. I think it's just awesome. And the people that I back, I'm not going to drop them. Why would I do that? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's important stuff to talk about too, because not everybody listens is maybe familiar with making a snowboard video, but you're a lot of driving around looking for spots. And as you, as you climb up the ranks, you might get asked to be in a video where you don't know anybody. And sometimes those videos are like every man or woman for themselves. You yeah. know, it's like, all right, it's your time to go, go. And it's those, those situations can be not, not that great, but what you're talking about with that good group dynamic of like that, that mentality of one, one guy gets a shot, we all get a shot. Mm -hmm. And that's like so important. Like we're in this for the greater good to make a good video. And, and that, it's a real genuine feeling. Like maybe yeah. if you don't know the people you're with, you're still going to be excited for them, of course, mm -hmm. but it's just not on the same level. Like if I get a, a clip or a photo, Joey's going to be way more excited for me than he is for himself. Yeah, so. when you watch the Spothead videos, everybody goes berserk after somebody <laughs> lands. I'm like, I'm watching, I'm like, what are the neighbors thinking? Like, these guys are going ballistic right now. We got kicked out of something the other day. We were getting a photo on with Gary, and, like, the cop came through. He's like, just keep it down, you guys. It was just me riding. He's like, you can definitely session it for a little bit, but, like, we were too loud, I guess. <laughs> it was like an ex-cop across the street was freaking out, like, mm -hmm. calling in, like, so stupid. And you but got yeah, Gary we land out with the crew. That's pretty impressive as well. He's a oh my god, he's a big he dog is photographer. the man. That's sick. He's is he he's east, east? What's it called? East East Street Archives. Yes, yeah. East Street Archives. You guys yeah. seen the the book that he recently put together? Yeah, it looks insane. He's gonna send us a copy. He said, but yeah, really cool. I've, I've only seen pictures of it, but pretty, it's pretty sick looking. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. It's incredible. Back when like Rutland had a scene, so he was telling me all about that. It's so funny how different it is now. He's gone on to shoot people like Brady, your, oh. your guy. She got like TB twelve. Yeah. Oh yeah, we gave he gave a uh, special DESPN issue to the cop of Tom Brady because he's like people love this in Boston. Like he'll mm -hmm. probably let us ride, and he did. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, that'll get you the keys. That's to the basically city, like huh? uh, currency. Essentially. Yeah, currency. Yeah. Bribing without bribing. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> now we got another guest question. This one's presented by our friends over at Mountain Dew. This one comes from none other than Mountain Dew team rider Danny. Davis, here we go. <laughs> Who is the most insane snowboarder and why? This could be insanely crazy and insanely good at tricks. It's up to you. So insane from an innovative perspective is definitely Zeb. That's a classic answer. The way he rides is just next level. Riding with Zeb makes me so fired up. Like, I love it. Zeb and Miles, both of them. So, I don't know, during the sliding tour, like, I haven't backflipped off a rail since I was a kid. And I was like... I mean, I definitely fell, but I was, like, stoked and wanted to push myself in that way. I'm like, oh, Miles is flipping off this, flipping off that. Like, I'll just try it once. So it pushes me, and it pushes everyone else. I think it's there's, both of them are super inspiring and creative and weird and funky and do stuff that people just haven't done. But then also Lucas Magoon. 
Wow, great, great answer. <laughs> Good answers right there. Let's give like a cumulative air horn for for all three of them. For all three of them. <laughs> yeah, that and why why Lucas? He looks like he was born with a snowboard attached to his feet, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, he may have been right <laughs> for real. I don't know. It's like no wonder I like laybacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, don't do them like him, but I I do them. Mm-hmm. So he's a uh, Vermont royalty as yeah. well. He's like uh, OG Rutland. Oh yeah, absolutely. All the GPP movies and. Seeing him like in real life as a kid, we're like, oh my God. Still to this day, I'm like, holy shit, we're next to Lucas Magoon. <laughs> Incredible. Well, let's change gears back to some, uh, let's get into the uh, in- in- mechanical engineering. I want to be correct about that. So you decided to go to college. So what are your thoughts on somebody that's thinking about, like wants to pursue snowboarding, but also wants to go to college? Do you think it's a good thing? you think it's a good avenue? I think if you know what you want to do from the start, it's, it, I think it's a great avenue. Yeah. And maybe if you aren't totally sure, spend some time to figure out what you want to do just because a lot of my friends are in a ton of debt and don't have jobs. And like that happens where they have jobs they don't like. Mm-hmm. So if it's possible to try to like really hone in and figure out what you, what you'd really want to do beforehand, I think that if you're down and you want to do it, commit to it and make it happen. Mm-hmm. It, it was really difficult. Like for the first couple of years, especially with Joey being like back in Connecticut, my mom trying to sell the house, everything going on. Like I did not film for freshman and sophomore year, really till the Quebec city trip. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it was tough at first, but then junior and senior year when everyone's in town and we're all together, I spend nights sort of trying to make it work, but post school, like I've had a lot of time and Burton allows me to spend some time riding. So I don't know. I think if you, if you know what you want to do, freaking do it. And then, or you can go back and get it later, but Cause a lot of people just think like, if you don't go to college right out of high school, you're not going to go and you can go. I have so many friends that are like at Vermont tech or all of these different schools, just filling out prereqs to something they might want to do. Mm-hmm. So your dad passed away from cancer when you were a senior, right? Yeah. That make it harder to kind of pursue what you wanted to pursue with college and leaving your brother and your mom. You know, it's, it's interesting because it actually like, it fired me up more. Honestly, I don't know. Like the, the way I deal with, shitty situations is I like to occupy my time or my brain. So it's like, I'm either going to be out like riding or I'm going to be out figuring my, figuring out my next step. So I definitely knew I wanted to go to school. I applied to a ton of schools, didn't really know where, and then really picked out UVM. Our packages didn't like the FAFSA package didn't arrive till like super late. It was actually really messed up. They marked my mom as deceased instead of my dad still to this day. So I'm paying like a lot in private loans because like she made a lot less than my dad did. So that part was like really, really stressful on her. Whereas like, I just focused on like figuring out what school I wanted to go to and like figuring out the dorm situation or like what mountain I'd be riding. Um, it was definitely tough, but for some reason I just like felt like a crazy amount of drive to just do it. Cause I like, he knew, yeah. like he knew I was going to go there. He so. wanted you to go and yeah, that's absolutely. Another, gives you that push. Another thing that's really cool too is, uh, randomly I lost a, a friend recently and went and saw a medium to try to connect to him and you know it's kind of spiritual weird stuff but basically he's a friend that taught me how to weld taught me how to work with my hands taught me how to fix things work on motorcycles things like that and the medium was like you know you you're you connect with them more when you work when you're working with your hands in your garage you're kind of connecting with them and i feel like um you know for your dad he'd probably he's looking down seeing what you're doing he's probably so so damn happy does that feel like motivation in some ways too like you know he's looking down and he's he's hyped yeah i'm sorry to hear about your friend it's tough but yeah no definitely i know he's up there yeah for sure no question it's like how do i keep meeting all these incredible people who are just like 
vouching or helping me or introducing me to things. It's not just like they're handing me things, but get your foot in the door. It's kind of like these little like, I don't, you can feel it. You yeah, know. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Guardian I'm angel style. Yeah, yeah for in the sure. Right direction. Now, it's how, like, how did you, or sorry, to, yeah, do you have anything more to add to that? Sorry. I didn't mean to no, you didn't cut me off. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, so how did it go with um, basically transitioning from school into getting a career in your career path? So senior year of high school is when I started getting flowed products from Burton. So Mercedes and Clarkie, best reps out there, they were able to, oh yeah, they were able to hook it up and they knew that um, I was interested in engineering and I was going to UVM. So like their goal was to just introduce me to people at Burton. So from the start riding there, I was like, okay, I'll swing through headquarters and I'll grab some stuff, but I'll also try to talk to people and like network, you know, meet some people. And uh, one of my friends at the time in college he was working with Doyle as a client. Doyle is my life mentor. Um, he was the mad scientist in the rapid prototype lab in Craig's at Burton. So Doyle was working with my friend on a project. So I was able to go in the day after my 21st birthday. It was like kind of a shit show, but I was able to go in and meet him. And he showed me all around the lab and I got to know him really well. So I kept like emailing him and seeing if there were any internships available which there weren't it's pretty hard to come by internships at Burton I've noticed especially within product or within hard goods um so I just kept hitting him up kind of being annoying and one day I get an email from him he's like I went through the women's professional association talked to Donna and we were able to scrounge up some money for you for an internship which was so insane because I was like sitting at the skate park in Burlington it was like 100 degrees out just like trying to figure out what I was going to do for the summer and when I got that call I freaked out and I got to go work with Doyle and work with um, a couple other engineers at Burton. Started out the internship working in the lab, managing a bunch of the 3D printers in the room. So I was running them, post-processing the parts, um, doing a bunch of lab testing, just figuring out the ins and outs of that room, basically. Um, and then Doyle approached one of my uh, one of my professors who ran this capstone project and was like, all right, we want Maggie to be the team leader this year. I'll have like three other people join. And we're going to work to fit a prosthetic to, to a boot and eliminate as many compromises that these riders have to make for able-bodied equipment. That's kind of like the general overview of this project brief was like working with all different types of riders and just making snowboarding easier for an underserved community. So that was the, the ultimate goal, which was pretty broad. Our professor was kind of pissed at first. We really had to like kind of dial in the parameters and figure out what our smart measurable objectives were and we were able to just work directly with Biodapt, which is one of the leading prosthetic companies in the industry right now, and fit that foot to the boot just because we have the exact files of, like, the last that form the boot, and we're able to do, it like, in-house lab testing, and you can basically make any prototype we want. So throughout my senior year, we worked on that. It was a huge part of my senior year. Then I graduated, and then Doyle vouched for me again, and then they hired me. So, so. You know, dope. it's crazy. I bet every kid that goes to that school wants to get a job at Burton or be an intern at Burton. So getting that is huge, right? Oh, my God. That's why, that's why I'm like, it's, it's totally my dad being like, yeah. I got you. Yeah. There's probably hundreds of kids that wanted to get that internship at Burton. So that's huge. It was and you have blame. that prosthetic foot too, right? To, oh, yeah. To right show. I'll show you. A little show and tell. Yeah, so I brought it. This is the uh, Versa 2 foot by Biodapt. This is actually a 3D printed version. It's made out of a uh, selective laser-sintered nylon 11 PA850. It's basically a really, really fine powder that gets sintered with a, a laser layer by layer by layer at five one-thousandths of an inch. So it comes out as this massive brick of powder, like this tall, kind of like your build envelope. 
and you break through it like fossils basically. And then within that brick, you have all of these different components that then get bead blasted. So all the exterior um, extra shit that's left on, it gets removed. And then it goes through a rock tumbler, which is funny because I was like obsessed with rock tumblers as a kid. But um, yeah, so this is like a 3D printed mock version just so we can kind of fit it to a boot and have it in hand because this prosthetic is like thousands and thousands of dollars. The real one is fully machined, um, made of steel. And then the shock itself is actually a Fox bike shock. So you can change the pressure accordingly depending on, you know, your weight or what style of riding you want to do. But this one's kind of like a, a mock so you can flex it like that. So there's like a couple different components here that I made for my homie Thomas Wilson. So I'm sending these out to you at some point, Thomas. But yeah, you can snap it on and it can flex like longitudinally and torsionally. Super basic, but right now these riders are taking EVA foam padding and packing tape and pool noodles and just like trying to fill out the boot. Cause like, you can look at this thing. It's not gonna fit your boot properly. You're not gonna get the right response. So we made a couple things that you can just, you know, mount onto it like so. And then this would also drop in. It would fill out that stovepipe section. And then hopefully, you'll be able to, it'll stay nice and firm and it, you're, you won't get too much heel lift because like once the stovepipe's tightened down, it kind of is contained within it. Um, but yeah, we've made a bunch of other parts. These are just the ones I'm making for Thomas. That's so cool. And I was, I was watching some videos of you uh, basically watching somebody ride and you're like, oh, she's having a hard time doing toe side turns. She has too much heel lift. This is what we need to adjust, right? So we work with all different types of riders, riders with upper extremity limitations, below the knee amputations, double below the knee amputations. Everyone has different needs. People with muscle deformities, people with dwarfism. It's crazy how heavily it ranges. And just from learning from previous riders that we've worked with, you can, you know, adding like heel lift to get someone over their toes helps a lot. Or maybe someone who's a double amputee needs to like tighten their boa down. Like this one dude we were working with, when he's in line, he tightens up, tightens down the stovepipe when he's standing there because like his stumps will kind of just like he needs a little more support but then when he's riding he pops them off so that he has a little bit more freedom which is funny because as an able-bodied rider you would never do that you do the reverse you'd mm -hmm. maybe unpop the boa in line you had to relax so, a little bit exactly we actually had a uh, on snow camp in fulgaria italy which with burton which was so cool so i was able to work with so many different riders like another couple things here um a big thing is step-on helps these riders immensely. So the heel cup, a lot of people don't know this, but this is your heel cup, right? You got your lever on the outside. The base right here is actually symmetrical, so you can swap them. So I was working with people with paralyzed arms, their right arm, like their back arm if they're regular, and so it's hard for them to reach across and pull the lever because how it works is you have like a little detent right there, and it sits in place like so, and then if you're kind of holding it, you're fighting against it, and it's, hard, it's just hard to access. Um so you can swap them so that they reach from the medial side. They don't have to reach as far. So that's a big thing. Or like this one guy with spinal fusion surgery, we made him this um, part that is retrofitted. It just mounts onto the back and has a little routing system like that. And he can just pull the handle from the inside and he can actually reach it. So how fun, how fun is it when you're able to like, okay, come up with this concept. This person has this limiting factor. I'm going to create something in a 3D printer that I think of in my head and then create that product that then can like improve somebody's life. It's got to be, that's got to be a rewarding process. It too. is extremely gratifying. At first I thought it was like kind of selfish just because like, it just feels so good to help these people. Mm -hmm. Cause like, I mean, we all snowboard for the freedom and like these people have issues that they deal with on a day-to-day -day basis that we would never think about. 
Like, it's actually funny because on that Quebec City trip, Kiana Clay, she has a paralyzed right arm. She was looking for a doorknob to put her hair up. She was showing me how she does it every day, and I was able to use her doorknob technique because none of the guys could put my hair up. Explain what that – I'm lost. Yeah, me too. So she basically, like, puts her head against this doorknob and, like, wraps the hair around it so that she can get the hair tie to, like, stay on her hair. Oh. Stay tight. Because she has to do oh, it with one – because she grabs she it right off hand. and then, yeah, yeah one hand in it. Yeah, Wild. absolutely. And, like, another thing you probably wouldn't think of is the inner lace lock for most boot liners. Like, it's it's a literal lock. You have to pull one one up, and then you have to tighten it down, right? So she has to bite it with her teeth, and she said her dentist wasn't too stoked. Mm -hmm. So it was Doyle's idea to stitch in these speed zone cleats, which have, like, little teeth on them, so you can just go, rah, rah, tuck mm -hmm. it in, you're good to go. I mean, like... Do it with one hand. Exactly, and it makes you think about standard inline products in a different way as well. So, like, if, if something is better for someone with one hand, it's going to be even immensely better for someone with two. Yeah. You learn a lot. So you thought you, it was selfish, talk? though, to, to be helping the people because it felt so good? Kind of. I'm like, this is so... <laughs> Totally like, opposite, because you're just making their lives so much better. And I learned from them, too. It's it's really crazy. Like, this one girl we've been working with, we, so Microsoft is one of Burton's corporate partners, and we've been working with Holly Palmer. She's this Australian girl. She's 14 with dwarfism. And so her boots, when she's trying to get on her, her toe side turns, they hit her kneecap. That's how tall they are. Oh, but, wow. like, the footbed fits her properly. It's, like, a little bit too tight, but, like, it's close. But she can't lean into her turns because it's hitting her knee, and then the leverage on the high back is too much and it doesn't support her body weight. Cause like, so this is like a Grom binding and has little mushroom heads right here that like just aren't strong enough for an 80 pound girl. So what I did is I shortened it by like 20 millimeters. So she was getting less leverage out of the high back and then reinforced it with like actual hardware, just like a uh, like recessed nut and a bolt. So it's like, it's not going anywhere. And then we also designed a full board for her because she was riding the proper size board but it was flexing and folding on itself and it wasn't delivering properly because she weighed too much for it so we stiffened the board torsionally and added like a little bit more to it basically and she sent me a video last week of her riding not on the bunny hill up on a lift no tethers or anything just like ripping i it made me so stoked that must be That's everybody. So she must, it must be very emotional for everybody, too, to change their lives like that. It, it was cool. That video yeah. made me really happy because previously they would, like, use tethers. So they would actually, like, have ropes to kind of, like, hold her just to support her. Um, she has, like, limited orthopedic movements. So adding a little more support with the tethers and guiding her. But she was tether-free, just, like, ripping. She's doing some nice, like, heel side turn. It was really cool. That's incredible. And also, sidebar, too, it's, like, talking about inclusivity, it seems like maybe – people that have you know limited mobility are kind of getting the shit into the stick in, the, in that and it's just incredible to have somebody like yourself you know helping out so many people so they can go enjoy that we all love snowboarding why the fuck shouldn't they right? yeah i mean the community is just as a whole so underserved and there's a lot of money in it so it's like i'm not i mean burton's not charging any of these people we have the ability access and resources to these things that we can do to make snowboarding better for them so mm. why not for me it's like a passion project so a lot of it is done outside of my standard work hours or maybe like on the weekend, if someone calls me, like I'll give them a call back, mm -hmm. but it's cool. Cause you get to know their stories personally. So yeah, this one girl I was working with, her arm was injured and, and shot by one of her exes. And so her goal was to get on snow for the next year, just get on snow and ride a little bit. And she had noticed that step on had helped a lot of her friends that she's met through the, just through like the adaptive community. And so she was on strap bindings at the time. We were able to get her a pair of step ons, Swap the heel cup um, and add those little uh, inner lace locks. And she sends me texts like every day. It's so cool. Like she's just so excited. But the, you learn their stories and you get to know these people on a personal level. 
And from direct rider feedback, you're improving their products and you're learning what might work and what just completely doesn't work. Like this one guy that I've been working with, Joe Gruel, he lost his toes in the backcountry of Cypress Mountain 20 years ago because they found him and he had hypothermia. So they had to amputate it, do a skin graft, pull the base of his foot around to protect the bone. So now he has these like balls on his feet and he gets like crazy pressure points from straps and from like uh, lace guides and all these different things that we wouldn't think of. So I tried to make him some custom boots that like kind of went higher up and like didn't have a um, a stitch line like right on like that point of his foot. But now he's having heel hold issues. So like I didn't really help, but like we're on to something. Like you learn each time. Like fail, fail fast and fail often is kind of what I like to think about because you learn everything from just from failing. That's a that is a great a great great mantra. Yeah, fail fast, fail early, fail often. Just try throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Don't be afraid to fail. That's a great mentality. To My have. dad used to say that. That's like what I live by. Yeah, yeah. So going back earlier, you mentioned when you talk about inline products, I want to break it down. So you're talking about products that are in the line available for people to purchase. Something that's just for the ge- general consumer. Yep. And so I like what you said. How if something's good for somebody that's using adaptive products, it's going to be good for developing inline products too. Do you want to elaborate on that? Definitely. I mean, you think about project briefs in a different way because when we're working through briefs, I have these riders in mind. So it's like from working directly with them and learning what types of difficulties they have. Like you probably wouldn't think about reaching to the outside of a lever or like swapping heel cups, stuff like that. Like you learn about it when you're on snow with them. Or like another thing is um, like forward lean. Like we, we need to be able to have like an ease, like how can we improve our forward lean to be like, a little bit more accessible and easier to use because a lot of these riders will like max out their forward lean when they're doing like, I don't know, bank slalom or something because their prosthetic sits a lot further than like our standard feet do. Mm-hmm. So like stuff like that, where you really want to max out certain parameters or certain things that like we don't need. Like mm-hmm. I push for those different features slightly. At least I try to. But And then make them easier on the fly for people to use. On oh the yeah. Too, huh? Totally. What's crazy is most uh, companies, they have to go to China to do this kind of stuff. And because of the Craig Kelly facility, you're able to just do it right there in Vermont. Yeah. The Craig Kelly rapid proto facility is incredible. Craig, you can, Craig would be stoked. I imagine, huh? That's pretty cool. It's awesome. We have, um, Ford. Gotta throw one out for yeah. Craig. Oh yeah. It was cool. Olivia Kelly was interning with us actually. So I was able to teach Olivia about a bunch of the stuff I've been, been working on and she seemed really into it. So That's cool. I still share stuff out with her every now and then, which is awesome. But yeah, the, the facility is incredible. Like there's three different types of printers. So the one that made these makes our rideable prototypes that we're always testing on snow. Nylon 11, super similar to the injected molded parts that you're going to see in our line. So you can test it, test for durability, test for impact, test for all of these different things. Um, really quickly. So like a part that doesn't exist on a Friday gets centered over the weekend and exists in your hands on Monday, which is always like, it's fun. It's like you're opening like a present or something. You must be um, sick at making spots happen out in the streets with the way your mind works. (laughs) 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 Just fix any problem that comes, comes to mind. Got to bring more tools with me, but, (laughs) but yeah, it's cool. There's, there's a lot you can do there. Um, and then we have like another, Taz machine, which is like a classic FDM style machine. We always say it's a high tech hot glue gun that prints a high tech weed whacker cord. I would say that on tours because people can conceptualize that a little bit better. We make a lot of footbeds with that. Um, softer parts, so like anything that's uh, like a TPU that flexes really nicely, we'll we'll make out of that. And then it's funny actually, this part this actually broke on my flight out here. But um, so this part was made out of a curable material, which is like literally what my dad would be developing, like these machines. Um, 
you can print multiple durometers, so something soft on something firm, and you can see the nice surface finish. So anything made in the object printer is desirable for our industrial design team because they can see what that final finish is going to look like. This is a little bit rougher, but it has a lower tensile strength. So like for impact, it's not what you're going to want to be using, but it allows you to like, it's so crazy. It prints layer by layer by layer. And then you just like pull it off the build plate and you just kind of hit it with the, with the blaster and hydro blast and you're like good to go. But this is like one of those parts. So it's a little bit different looking, but it's kind of like cool and tech. That's crazy. Burton has these machines over there. It's not. Yeah, it's really cool. 3D printers sound so tech when you're talking about how it's a big block of powder and you chisel it into the pieces. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. I love it. All right. One thing that's really cool here talking to you about this stuff, it's funny because I watch you talk about products and 3D printing and all kinds of jargon that I really right half, over our heads. half-heartedly understand, but I nod my head like I understand. But uh, <laughs> Me too. You, you light up. You're like so excited about it. It's really cool to see like that change in your energy. You're like, oh, this is, this is insane. And... um. I was talking to Ashley, photographer, who actually she's gonna she gave us some prints. We're gonna have you sign some prints. Oh, awesome! They'll be available for sale on bombhole.com. Shout out to Ashley. Give her give her a big old air horn. She's the best. And then, uh, but she was saying that basically when you're at spots, a lot of times you'll be riding, and you'll see you'll feel your board or something, and be like, oh, like mental note, I want to tweak the product in this way or that way. So it's cool talking about like the inline products, how you can. As a rider, you have that, men- that you have, you know, you're not just in, in the office working in the production facility, you're out in the field testing products. So do you take your experiences and make little tweaks from there? Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially depending on what recommendations people have even just mentioned to me, like say something breaks or you see where like a stress concentration is. It's like, oh shit, the ladder keeps breaking at this exact same spot every time on everyone who rides it, you know, like you're always going to learn from that, especially because our team riders, I always say this, they're everyone who's writing our product at that level is like field validation and testing to the max. Like you're not going to find a tester that's riding that hard. So they are the testers mm-hmm. and it- riding alongside these people. You're going to be able to see issues that they're having. Like, I don't know, like channel slip with Zeb was a little bit of an issue, which, well, I, well just to keep that, that conversation going, like if there's one person that's going to test a product and I was thinking probably puts the most strain on a product on planet earth, it's Zeb Powell. Like, if you watch, he's a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. He lands flat. He just, like, you know, he just destroys, like, every spot he goes through. He's putting so much torsional flex the way he flexes his board. I mean, he's got to be the best product tester there is. For you. Definitely. For sure. I mean, Mark McMorris, too. There yeah. have been, like, there's, so basically we have this forum where everyone on the team kind of has, like, an, a little individual page that you can comment under for past tweaks and modifications that we've made for these people. So, like, from previous stuff in the forum you can kind of grow and you can go in and like see what changes they've made so for mark like i know doyle used to make these um canted est bed inserts for him and it's actually interesting i was in the office yesterday cutting some from his template to like fit to my alexa so i'm like you know if he's trying it i might as well give it a give it a go and see what's good we ordered this special foam for him it's a little bit denser Mm -hmm. so might as well try it but you can always learn from changes and modifications that riders have done to their equipment and changes that people have suggested for equipment. Mm-hmm. Now going back to product, I know that like step-ons are a huge deal, right? So for Burton, they're trying to push step-ons. Like where do you see the future of snowboard bindings going with the old step-on? Yeah, I know Burton is really aiming to make, make step-on the default binding system of the snowboard industry. I don't know if that will happen or how long it will take for that to happen, but I know there are certain demographics and types of people that heavily benefit from the system one of which being adaptive riders which i've previously talked about 
And then also, like, older people who want to continue to ride, maybe not in the park or maybe not in the backcountry or anything like that, but they just want to take some laps with their family. And, like, this allows them to get out there and not switch to skiing. So, I don't know. And also, there's a lot of uh, changes we've been making to the system that are going to make it more responsive or little tweaks you can make to it um, that might appeal to a park rider or to a backcountry rider or someone who's riding at a high level they're just coming we haven't released anything yet but there's a lot of really cool stuff coming down the pipeline when i when i think about it from a riding perspective i ride my straps at different like tightnesses depending on what i'm doing so if i'm going to tweak a grab i'll run it a little bit looser so i have some mobility which i have very limited these days i'm like come on get there but uh or if i'm hitting a jump i'm cranking those suckers down and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you can talk about future stuff, but that seems like a huge hurdle for somebody like myself. Definitely. Like last year, I didn't ride them at all because I had some pretty gnarly ankle injuries. So what I do is like I drop the ladder on the lateral side and then pull up the slider on the medial side to like add more support for my ankles because I kept Mm -hmm. blowing out on landings and just like I was getting like super frustrated with it. Mm -hmm. And so that was like a big change I made to my strap bindings that like benefited me heavily. Whereas like a faux strap on a step on binding probably would not provide my ankle with enough support. Um, or changes like I like to do a lot of tuck knee, like kind of indie style grabs and stuff. And so like another thing I like to do is you can actually see it on my board. Like it's at the lowest setting right there and it's at the lowest setting on the outside too. So you can basically take your knee and like, if, you're, if I'm strapped in right now, I could like flex it and touch the inside of my board. Oh, wild. Which is Jeez. crazy. So it's like with little changes like that, depending on what tricks you're doing, you can cater your binding system where step on doesn't have a lot of those features yet but i do think there's going to be a lot a lot of cool stuff coming with it yeah, so i think for older people that step on is going to be something nice if they don't want to if they're not as flexible but i just don't know if the youth's gonna yeah well, it's interesting though it's it's crazy because the, the youth, youth but let's say the hardcore snowboarding teenager yeah i couldn't agree more i totally it's gonna be a hard yeah. sell and does burton have it patented can other brands yeah so we've actually sold our technology to a couple companies at this point like dc basically bought the outsole where they have like the older cradles whereas i'm working on like an updated cradle right now updated backstay all that kind of stuff um there's there's some crazy stuff coming that is gonna shock you guys i I know it but because i was shocked but Mm. you'll find out how is foot pain and all that with step on compared Um, to straps so the backstay itself is a little bit stiffer people tend to have hot spots um towards the toe box area just different hot spots yeah it's definitely different um i've never had boot issues so i'm totally fine riding it but yeah there's a lot of cool stuff coming but it was like a great first go at it i think interesting be cool to see how they roll it out it's gonna be interesting our next partner is a product that i pretty much use every single day it's called athletic greens Now, I started taking this stuff because I'm not a spring chicken anymore, buds. I'm not 18. You got to take care of your body if you want to keep snowboarding as you get older. So what is this stuff, buds? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day off right, Chris. Love that, buds. So whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, It doesn't matter. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. And it still tastes pretty damn good, buds. It does. What I like about this best is the price. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself, and it's recommended by professional athletes from many different sports. 
Absolutely. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free, free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. S-P-O-R-T-S-D-R-I-N-K. To take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Well, I think it's time for that special segment of the show, buds. Uh-oh. You know what that is? Name that video part. Okay, name that video part is presented by Mammoth Mountain Buds. Did you know that? I I have heard that before. I heard maybe you can win four tickets, right? Absolutely. So for the second song in name that video part, our listeners will get a chance to win four tickets to Mammoth Mountain. Bring your gang. Bring your crew. And again, we always have to explain this. The way we pick our winner is when the episode comes out, Maggie has an Instagram photo, the thumbnail photo, and you leave your comment there, and that's where we select our winner, and we can see who had the first person to post the correct answer. And that being said, I actually just found out I'm going to Mammoth in the spring. Woo. I'm really excited. Ride some slushy park laps. You go every spring, right? Every spring. <laughs> Hone the skills. That place has the best park in the country. They got some of the best builders, some of the best jumps for all different ability levels. Right, Buds? Mm-hmm. That mini half pipe, fuego. They should rename it. I've been saying they should name it to Bud's Mini Pipe. Hopefully I roll up one spring and I'll see that sign, right? Yeah, big old sign, <laughs> Bud's Mini. Um, okay, well, let's get into name that video part. Uh, how you feeling confidence level, 0 through 10? Maybe like, you know, 4 and a half. We'll go 4 and a half. 4 and a half. It's okay. not bad. Uh, not you, quite a 5, but a little told, more than a 4. You told me if it's a powder part, you have no chance. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> you <laughs> don't even watch those, huh? <sighs> I don't want to admit it, but I... I <laughs> Well, good thing. I, I watch yeah. them. They just don't register as heavily. I, I got, got a Big Mountain Jeremy Jones part for you. No, I'm just kidding. So here we go. I'd be like, see how we do. Are you kidding me? I'm going to get some video girls. <laughs> Best, that's like one of my favorite parts, literally. TPG. Also, can we talk about like the fence ollie? Because so during quarantine, I was posted up in my shed. Just like I had to stay in there for five days or whatever watching all these videos in your shed yeah, let's, let's well, elaborate like, on the we shed need to, uh, shed a little more light on the shed the shed is pretty sick it's like a studio apartment basically okay. some something happened with our landlord where they built up the shed tried to rent it as a separate unit couldn't like legally so we just have this amazing studio in our well, backyard i like to picture see i was picturing you in like a backyard shed with like a lawnmower and like <laughs> a bag of grass seed and just grass like seed. living in a shed but it, it sounds used to a little be. more, a little better than that. Yeah, it's a little bougie now. So you're in the shed. Sorry to interrupt you. So we're in the shed, and like my best friend Gabe also had COVID, so we were watching like a lot of videos together. Love Tommy Gesme, mm-hmm. but um, the clip of him like ollieing the fence with the rail through it. Mm-hmm. I don't. How the fuck did they build that thing? Because there's no seam down the middle. Like they didn't like they had to have welded the rail in after the fence was was installed, because the fence itself wasn't put in afterwards. So it's so crazy. They must have like literally fed it through. The fence and like maybe it was under construction or something. Do you, you know anything 50, about 50 that? Fifty fifty ollie. The yeah, f- yeah, yeah. I don't know. I know that that's a beast ollie after a fifty fifty, but I've never really dissected the spot like that. It's crazy. I yeah. just I've never seen anything like it, so it just like definitely confused me. 
I like it. See, we talked about it for like two student, hours. Student of the game. Brain. Student of the game. <laughs> She's got a tape measure out there. Throw some safety glasses on. She's going to be out there with a protractor trying to figure <laughs> out how to figure out how, over how, the how thing. is it done. How is the spot made? <laughs> it's like CSI Miami. She's got a lab vest on out there. All right. Well, you actually won. So Woo. you get a prize pack put together by Jules uh, filled with, what do we got? Jules. Um, oh, 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 God. We had, a mug. Mug. we had a mug. We had a there. mug for you. <laughs> Looks like you're not getting a mug. Jules, you but, uh, a mug. <laughs> we can get you a new mug, but there's a hoodie probably. What else in there? So uh, I think a, m- a couple months ago, I bought something from you guys, and you wrote spot heads. I still have it like posted up on my little billboard at home. Nice. Yeah, so this That's is going killing. up next to that. That's but, incredible. So insane. Well, congrats on winning NTVP. That's that's huge for you. You know, it's good for street cred. You know, um, solid for street cred. This one is for our listeners for four tickets to Mammy. Here we go. Okay. Thank you guys for playing. Name that video part. Didn't we use that one once, Tommy? Yes, we did. Uh, you know, it's such a good one. Why not revisit it? Is it is a good you one. You know what yeah. I mean? The yeah. Tommy no, gets me. it's a great song. Every time video. I hear that beat, bam. I love how there's an Instagram. Tommy gets me in video Yes, dressing. yes, they were waiting for that one. They were waiting. And actually, you know what's funny is I think I didn't even realize that's what it was when we did it, I'm pretty sure. Oh, when you actually used yeah, it I was the like, first time. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, that's an ABU, but why not? <laughs> if you guys haven't, go watch already Tommy's been part used. in... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's in ABU, our show All Banged Up, and it's also already been used. <laughs> so, um, let's keep it going. Do you feel like a weight's lifted now that you've... Uh, You've succeeded. Oh yeah, we've George and I brought out the little um, USB. We were watching it at the hotel room last night, nice. all the, studying up on the VG movies. Yeah, she did give me a little breadcrumb. She said she's listen, she's watched a lot to of throw VG. Her a VG. VG. Yeah, so we threw a VG. It's a classic. I mean, there's so many movies these days. It's it can yes, get pretty complicated. Exactly. Um, okay, I think it's a time for another guest question presented by Capita Snowboards from Capita Team Rider Jess Kamura, the freaking foundation of capita and snowboarding and a lot of great things here we go hey maggie uh hey bombhole guys it's jess kimura here calling in with a guest question so maggie i was wondering if you always wanted to be a pro snowboarder like if that was your goal or if it just kind of is happening um by accident and (laughs) uh how you balance working for the same brand that you ride for and trying to like establish yourself as an athlete as well as an employee like how do you balance that and um just wondering if that's difficult like the more success you have in snowboarding or if it just gets easier and more obvious so um have a great day guys have a great episode bye so i just want to say thank you jess she's been a huge role model for me both like just by watching her snowboarding and by speaking with her. Like, she has inspired me in ways that I can't even put into words. Um, she's incredible. It was actually funny because when she hit me up about the uninvited, I called my mom and she was like, no way, just Kimura. Like, she was freaking out for me because I've been watching her for so long. But, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Jess has been helping me kind of, kind of roll out how to create this hybrid thing at Burton just because it hasn't been done before. So... How I went about it was kind of putting together a big presentation, presenting it to the marketing team, integrated marketing, working with project coordinators and people within the engineering team to try to see if I could make this thing work. Um, 
previous to this honestly as a kid I didn't really know what I wanted to do I just knew I loved filming and I knew I loved snowboarding and was like I still feel the same way I don't really care what happens it would be it'd be cool if I could get more time to actually film a part that I feel proud of and like can say that I put my heart and soul into which I don't think I've really had the time to do that yet and just once I get the time I I know I could I know I could make something that like I'm going to be excited to release at the end of the year and not have it just be like half of the length that I was expecting for so I don't know she's helped me a ton to pitch this thing to Burton and honestly it's pretty cool they were able to give me a, a set amount of weeks to spend and film throughout the season I can't use it all at once I just need to make sure I work with like our coordinators field validation and um testing people and just make sure everything like I'm hitting my timelines on the engineering side of things but it's been cool like from the start Doyle went to Donna and was like I want Maggie to like be able to snowboard as much as she possibly can and work as much as she possibly can I know it's gonna be hard but let's do it and like he was the one that gave me the time because at first I started out in the lab right so I was like working on the machines and post-processing the parts and putting builds together and Doyle would stay late on Fridays so that like I don't know, a good example is on the sliding tour. I called him. I was like, yo, this guy from Red Bull hit me up like to go do the sliding tour thing. Any chance I can go? And he's like, go do it. Like This is like a really cool opportunity. I will run the machines for the next two days. Don't even worry about it. So like that started out with Doyle doing that. And then he gave me a, a little bit of time kind of under the table. He's like, let's make this work. And he let me ride. Like We went to uh, Canada for like a couple weeks, just here and there. Like I still got my work done. Worked outside of work hours, standard work hours. But... I made it happen and um yeah now like it's I'm trying to make it a little bit more like streamlined and outlined and just helped me put together the proposal and she hit up the marketing team and kind of explained and vouched for me on the snowboard side of things why this position would be of value to the company as a hybrid role it's not like I have to wear two separate hats I can do it all at once and bring a lot more to the table while riding with these people yeah that's I love that and that's incredible it's it's an interesting topic because what you're basically discussing is like there's Maggie Lee on the engineer and there's Maggie Lee on the snowboarder. And like when you try to hybrid those things, it just seems like it gets people's wires crossed. They're like, well, you know, it's two full-time it's jobs, two, right? it's two full-time jobs. But I think that also like you're really good at being an engineer, but your snowboarding skill set is on the forefront of snowboarding and needs to be taken extremely seriously well as well too. So it's definitely something that like is makes your stock go up on both fronts, and uh, you know if if they're not, they, they better be taking care of you snowboarding wise, you know, because that's that's important. It is tricky because um, so team riders, as you know, you've been through all this; they're yep. independently contracted. So yep. obviously, your contract is going to be different than that of an employee. Mm -hmm. So I ran into like a lot of logistical issues on the backside of HR um, when this first all started out, and. Um, yeah, we've ran into uh, quite a few issues, but we've worked through some of them to to make something that works for me. So, yes, I do get a little bit of time. It's not a whole lot of time. How much time is it? Four weeks. Four weeks in the whole Damn, winter. Yeah, that's not a lot. I asked for 13. But. That's more like it. Yeah, that's yeah, more like Yeah, I mean, it. aim high. Yeah. So if I asked for four, I'd probably get a day. <laughs> so, <laughs> whatever, I was happy. I mean, it's a start. So it would be cool if I had more time. Yeah. But um, hundred percent. But I think the fact, look at you just went to Duluth. You won Red Bull Heavy Metal. You won the Rail Jam. Like you're sure you're an engineer, but you need to be taken seriously as a snowboarder. And if they're not seeing that, well, then I hate to say they're fucking blowing it. There's no <laughs> other way to put it. They're when fucking blowing. When you came back it. from like, Duluth, did they know what happened? Were they like, did they recognize um, the power of that? 
yeah, I got, I got a message from or one or two messages from like the marketing people, but it was kind of cool. Actually, a lot of the engineers knew because they'd be like getting their kids ready for school and they saw it on the news. Like otherwise they wouldn't have known because these are all like kind of like mountain bike dads. They're awesome, yeah. but like they're not really up to date on like snowboard contests or videos or anything like that. So that was like the only way they knew. One thing that you mentioned earlier talking is uh, when you're originally asked for time off to snowboard, uh, an ex-employee likened it to something very funny. Oh my God, this is so ridiculous. So I got a call from HR because I realized like we just ran into some issues that we didn't sort through beforehand. I didn't know there was anything going on, but I got this call and she's like, hey Maggie, we need to revoke the remaining three weeks of your film time because there's no direct there's no like burton movie this season so it must be a burton affiliated project and we can't be granting you this time if it's not a burton movie she's like to me you going out and filming for three weeks is like me going on a cruise for three weeks or me going on a rock climbing trip for three weeks because it's not a burton thing and that's when i realized like i was approaching this all wrong i need to approach a lot of these people in positions of power in these departments kind of as layman's in a Mm -hmm. sense where it's like if you can break it down and explain why it's beneficial for burton on the marketing side, on the team writer side, on the development side, and just really, really break it down what I do, then maybe they'll understand. But at first I was like, oh God, I think I've been approaching this wrong. That's, yeah, and it's a really interesting one from Bud's and I's perspective of people that have been in the streets or for the past <laughs> however many years. Jess, I told Jessica Moore, she's like, go on a nice picking cruise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it is the furthest thing from yeah. being on a fucking cruise. You wake I've been up, on a cruise before. It's cold as shit. <laughs> you, sh- bring, you shovel all day. You're fucking hurling yourself down concrete stairs. You peel yourself out of bed in the morning. It's not... I mean, it, the banter is fun, but mm-hmm. it's not... Banter on a cruise might be the only thing that's close. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you got a uh, Patreon question? I do have that's- a Patreon question from uh, Josh Fisher. First of all, thank you, Patreon. Shout um, out to Josh. Yeah, Fisher. send him an air horn and, and all the yeah, Patreon yeah, people awesome. in general. So he asks, when I came through Craig's a few years ago, Doyle introduced you to us. You made an impression right away. I was super impressed by your attitude and the work you were doing. Funny enough, it took me a while to put together that you were the same Maggie <laughs> as Maggie Leon, the snowboarder who I knew ripped. <laughs> Anyhow, I'd love to hear any stories you have to share with us from working with Doyle or anything special you learned or experienced in there at Craig's? Loaded question. I like it. Hell yeah, Josh. <laughs> uh, I've learned so much from Doyle. Like, he is so rider-driven. The way Doyle got in at Burton was uh, he used to work for Grindrite, and he helped develop, like, the Grindrite machines, and he did ski mechanics workshops across the country. And so that's really how it all started for him, was working directly with the riders on hand. Like, I met with him last week, and he was telling me about how uh, Barrett Christie, she was competing in the U.S. Open. Yeah, Barrett. And uh, he worked directly with her to create, you know, bindings that were strong enough and wouldn't break and, like, would perform at a higher level just for her because, like, she had some issues with her previous bindings, like, basically the day before the event. And, uh, yeah, he hooked it up with her, and she ended up winning. And I remember he had this bottle of champagne on his desk, and it was Barrett Christie's bottle of champagne from the U.S. Open of I Wish I Knew the Year, just, like, posted up. And, like, to me, that showed how much he cares about working with these people. And um, the amount of impact you can have on the industry in this position at Burton, like huge impact for sure. I mean, Burton's like, it's not as large as people think it is. Like when I talk about how big the team is, people are expecting like 50 people. The engineering team is less than 10. So it's a tight knit community. And like, we do have a lot of say and impact on the community. And I think that like Doyle has taught me how important that is. And that like, if you're going to be a part of this thing, work with people, take their feedback and 
try to use it to develop better products. Like that's the ultimate goal is like just making better stuff, you know? And, um, I don't know. I just think it's really cool. Cause he's always valued me as a rider and has said to me like your time on snow is almost more important than being here. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he ever said his first name. Chris Doyle. The, he's uh, referred to as there. the mad scientist. <laughs> it's funny. I did the, the like, um, it was called an arts and crafts interview with Stan. And he was asking me all about Doyle. He's like, so what's up with this mad scientist thing? Yeah. Doyle's the, the absolute best. He like, we have similar energies. He lights up when he starts talking about 3D printing. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's so awesome. He's taught me so much how to, like, properly hold a drill, that kind of thing. It's stuff I should have known. Yeah. But, like, he's going to give me shit if I'm, like, slacking or if I'm, like, not using the proper terminology. Mm-hmm. And it's been really, really incredible working with him. Yeah, that's that's also really fascinating stuff, too. And going back to the product stuff, another thing to think about randomly, sidebar, is, like, you can make these products in – uh, design the studio, what have you, Craig's, and then take them on the mountains is negative fucking 15 degrees, right? So you got, you can have this whole product. I imagine you probably get it across the finish line. You're like, this is it. And then it like, you know, is brittle or it doesn't hold up to high or low temperatures. Right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's cool though. Oh my God. So we have this freezer at work where we do cycle testing, static bend testing. It's like, I think it's like minus 20 or something like that. I got stuck in it once. Oh my oh, God. No. <laughs> yeah. Cause we, so there's an ice cream company across the street and, um, there are some ice cream sandwiches in it. And I was going to go get a couple for Doyle and I at lunch one day and I went in and like, there's like a emergency button you can like press to get out if you're not, but it was iced up. So like the emergency one was iced up and the actual lock was iced up. So I'm stuck in this freezer and like, I'm sure you've heard in movies how like you can't receive or send signals from inside of a freezer due to like. It just yep. must be like a frequency. Drug dealers put their f- their phone in the freezer. Oh, yeah, that, so I couldn't call up. anyone. Yep. So I was like freaking out kind of like, I was only in there for like five minutes, but I was like, oh God. Like, so I was taking um, a high back that was being tested and was chipping away like at the ice, like trying to break the, the lock open. Some girl heard me like banging on the door. She opens it up. She's like, oh my God, how long have you been in there? That that's a rough real panic scenario. Yeah. that's like a yeah. nightmare that's nightmare. like a legitimate and then i couldn't even eat the ice cream because i was just like my heart's racing <laughs> too cold i got one more patreon yeah, question i want to throw at you this is from will bamford what's your take on women specific hard goods i think honestly unisex is the way to go also between shared sizes like you don't have to make i don't know it's interesting with bindings because it's like all right my lexa x's are very very similar to the cartel x's my friend sam one of the engineers developed them so i worked with her to kind of tweak different things but it's really just like a scaled down size and the industrial design like the id like the aesthetic of it is tweaked to supposedly appeal to more like women this one is very very different i think because it's just as blank as the men's version whereas in the past the women's bindings looked very different from the men's but i think we're getting to a point where People don't really care about, like, women-specific. Like, I've never, like, I always had to ride women's boards because I'm so small. I've always wanted to ride, like, the boards Joey was riding just because, like, for some reason I thought it was cooler. I don't know. But um, I do think, like, unisex is, uh, I think, the future, honestly. Because it's, like, it allows you to have, like, so many more options, especially when you're, like, a smaller dude or a taller girl, you know? And I think with boots it's a little bit tricky because the imprint of a women's foot is definitely different from men's. I mean, mine is. I know that for sure. Yeah, it's like um, a higher arch, right? Yeah, higher arch. I'm not like foot. very in tune with like boot development. I've been doing a little bit of boot stuff recently, um, but yeah, I think unisex shit's cool, and that like we should just run it up. 
you know? 100%. Yeah. Especially smashing the stereotype that, like, it needs to be, like, cute and pretty. Yeah. Oh, my like, God. I used to hate that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. My thoughts on women snowboarding have definitely changed. But since I was a kid, for some strange reason, I just, like, never wanted to be referred to as, like, a female snowboarder. I just wanted to be a snowboarder because it's, like, okay, there's no other girls in the mountain, but I don't care. I'm with, like, my brother, goofy-ass brother and my best friends, and we're all having fun and pushing each other. And it took me a really long time to, like, understand why it's important to represent for the women, you know, and, like, show, like, I didn't even realize it, but, like, what Jess and Des did was just, like, they were those two people. I'm, like, they're fucking badass. I want to be like them. You know what I mean? And, like, I definitely looked up to them, but I never questioned why there weren't any other girls that were, like, promoted as heavily as them or if there were people out there. Maybe I didn't see it. I don't know, but I just, they were, like, my idols. You know what I mean? And so with women's camps, like, I used to think, like, women's divisions were a little bit unnecessary because there were no other girls and I felt kind of weird about it. But like then at one point I was like, Oh, this is cool. If there's no one else, like I'll just go and do this. Get some, maybe get some money, some product or something and just like have fun and ride with the guys. And so like with women's camps, I started to realize how important like representation is and just vouching for other girls, especially in STEM too. Like that, this is when I came to terms with it at UVM was like, Oh shit. Like why aren't there any other girls like, Excuse me, what's yeah, STEM? STEM. I, I don't, it's like um, like the science field. Oh, got it. Okay. So there really aren't that many women in mechanical engineering either. So there were, I think it was graduating class of 90 mechanical engineers at UVM, and there were nine girls. So it's similar to snowboarding, mm-hmm. which is like kind of funny. But we're all of us are so different, like even as engineers, but like we still stick together. We have Zoom meetings. We talk about like our salaries and like how you can vouch for yourself, which was something I never really thought that I would be doing. But like after realizing how important it is just to talk to other women and be like, yo, let's make this happen. Like we can do this too. You know, Mm -hmm. like it's empowering in a sense. I don't like that word that much, but like it's, it's cool. Like the way Jess talked about women's snowboarding is similar to how I felt growing up. I wasn't riding at the Jess level, but I was like, Joey's doing front fives. I could at least do a front three. This is ridiculous type thing. So I don't know. I remember like the first event I did was uh, this event called little big air at ski sundown. And it was ages 14 and under. There were no divisions. It was just open to everybody. And Joey did a front one. I remember I saw the clip recently. He found it somehow. And I did like a tail grab and like a back one or something. And I won it. And like it was just with a bunch of like 14-year-old boys and myself. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. I love snowboarding. Like, I don't know. I didn't really think much about like being the only girl. But like now I'm seeing like why a lot of women are nervous to get involved because it can be intimidating if you don't have a goofy-ass brother being like, yeah, Maggie. Like, yeah, 100%. you know? And I don't know. I just feel like I was blind to a lot of things and, and didn't realize it. But in a sense, I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like I was doing my thing and I loved it. So mm-hmm. I just did it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's an interesting one. Like women in snowboarding, I think it's definitely growing. And now I coach at these camps and yeah. I like see the impact it has. And I think it's really important. Totally. Totally. Take, uh, you know, it's a, uh, an interesting, like going back to kind of beginner level process. I, I'm sorry to our listeners. I talk about dirt bikes. <laughs> Is it I'm time? Just, it's that time of the yeah, podcast. Gotta, we got to We got to hit it. We must need a theme song. Yeah. It's like, Oh God, here he goes again. I love it. No, but, uh, basically like, so my, my girlfriend and a bunch of her friends, they, they, um, they want to get into riding dirt bikes and it's like, there's, it's kind of intimidating to go on the track 
with a bunch of dudes who are fucking aggro and they're like, it's kind of a fucking alpha sport of just like, it's fun as shit, but there's some weirdos involved. But anyway, so like for the, the women's dirt bike camps, it's like for her, it's like, yeah, like I want, that's where I want to go. Cause then I can, I don't feel intimidated. Totally. It's just like, Oh, we're all just being goofs. None of us are pro and, and we can, that then thus gets people's foot in the door gets like, that's what we need. We need more people coming into snowboarding and falling in love with it. However, by ever means necessary, by any means necessary, just to to fall in love with snowboarding. That's the goal, right? And so, like that, those those women's camps are huge for that. They yeah. absolutely are. I'm actually coaching one this Saturday at Killington Park Affair. So, my old rep Mercedes and Haley Roncani, they're the best. Haley works at Mountain Dew now. Um, they know what's good in snowboarding too, so they can put together like a camp that's going to be like instructional in many different ways maybe it's not just in park it's in like just overall like on the mountain mm-hmm. or like outside of snowboarding we're gonna go to dark side we're gonna ride the dark park we're gonna make burgers with billy or something mm-hmm. like that like just like have fun and experience everything that like we've all experienced that we want to share with other people and like half of that is just being like yo you fucking got this like mm-hmm. get it versus totally. like having a dude be post being posted up at the bottom being like you got it like if you don't know them like mm-hmm. it might just feel as though like they don't really, I don't know. I don't know. No, and, and what you said earlier is also a huge, huge important point because we're, we've been in this thing for so long. We've been snowboarders for so long. We know, oh, you go to dark park. If you're in Killington, you go to dark side or splinters or whatever shop, like you go to like, you know what videos to watch, but there's people that are like, I got this snowboard. I love it, but I don't really know anything about like the culture or the tricks or and it takes that, like, all those little things make somebody go from a weekend warrior to I'm a fucking snowboarder, right? Yeah. And that's, like, huge because then they're like, this is what this is my shit. Like, I know I know who Maggie is. I know who, oh, Maggie, she, oh, I saw her. She she told me that, that Desiree is really cool. Now I know Desiree is cool. And then you're, like, then you're in on the stuff and, and how you tweak your setup and what outerwear is cool. And, like, it, it just gets them. Yeah, I mean, we were wearing Johnny Russia. Yeah, until like. you, you, you figured that out, you're wearing Johnny Russia with 45 zippers on the goddamn thing, <laughs> you know? But those things are huge because it's, like, a lot. It's interesting, you know, going back, a, a lot of our, like, snowboard <clears throat> content, that's a shit word, but, like, things we see on the Internet are, are just, we usually, what do we do? We make videos for our friends. Like, I'm like, I uh, I hope my buddy likes my front five. I did. Right. But like, we don't often think about the people that are just getting into snowboarding because they're like, so, you know, out of reach, but you want to bring those people into the conversation. Definitely. It's the same stuff with women in the industry, women in engineering. Like it's Mm -hmm. so similar. I was talking to uh, Mary Walsh. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give her a big old air horn. She's the best about um, like the parallel between being in like, a male-dominated field of engineering and a male-dominated sport, I guess. Um, and something I really took away my freshman year, we had to take this diversity course that I really didn't want to take. It was about, like, women in engineering was, like, the focus kind of. And the professor asked, like, how many of you have applied for positions where you know you're underqualified for? And, like, all of the dudes raised their hand. And they were like, how many of you girls? And there was, like, 15 of us or something. I was the only one that raised my hand. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I've applied for stuff I'm blatantly not qualified for. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, I think that had to do with Joey and my dad and my mom just being, like, mad supportive. But, like, my dad and I would send in, like, sponsor me's and, like, I was just blatantly not, like, qualified mm-hmm. for anything. But I just think it's, like, putting yourself out there and, like, being involved in something that may seem super intimidating is, is kind of standoffish to a lot of women. So it's, like, 
we started out with 40 girls in the program then we had nine like clearly everyone's dropping out because they're like maybe this isn't for me Mm -hmm. and i think it's snowboarding that tends to happen too they're like maybe this isn't for me maybe i like can't like you always say like go hollow head on this thing Mm -hmm. but like i think part of that reason is because maybe they don't have another girl there being like you freaking got this like i know you got this and i i think that helps um i'm not saying like women's only things are the way to go because i benefit heavily from riding with dudes like i love it but yeah, I think there's there's a lot to unpack there. A hundred percent. And there's also, you know, the thing too, there's just the the light bulb, which is I think things are changing in a really good way, but you know, there's the the classic, you know, we've talked about it on the show before, but oh, the light bulb going off like, oh, that person looks like me. I can I can do that. Because I thought that I was supposed to do this with the societal narrative that's been beaten into me since I was a freaking toddler that I'm supposed <laughs> to like play with you know, Barbie dolls and playhouses and do shit and be delicate and be, you know, and, and that, you know, there's a kind of a, there's kind of a, 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 a cultural narrative that's like underlying kind of beaten into us. But then the, that's, what's so important. It's like, Oh, Oh, she looks like me. Oh shit. I didn't even know I could I Yeah. I want to do that. You know, like that's, what's so badass. But I think it's huge. I don't know. I've always like, it's so crazy to think about. Cause like every most of my like main interests are like male dominated things. Like I was super into drumming. Like I thought I was going to be like a professional drummer for a really long time. Like basically through high school mm-hmm. and like it was always guys. And then like same with like Taekwondo, Joey and I did it for 12 years with my dad. Damn. Like always dudes. And so like, I never really like, questioned like my presence, I guess, which I think changed how I felt when I was immersed in it. But now it's really cool to see all this growth happening. Like, I get why these camps exist. I get why like people are asking for more funding because like we are underfunded and like we are underpaid. And like, I just didn't realize hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And definitely, you know, going back to the snowboarding thing, somebody in your position, you need to be getting taken care of by a board company. And that's, and that just right on target. If you're not getting taken care of with for your snowboarding, then fucking the brand you're snowboarding for ain't aligned with what we're talking about period it's hard though because it's like sometimes back to Jess's question like sometimes I'm totally comfortable advocating and asking but it's kind of weird to be like put me on the team like just pushing for that consists like Mm -hmm. constantly just feels kind of weird Mm -hmm. or it's like I don't want to have to push for someone to to like really back me it'd be cool just yeah exactly the hard part is it's two full-time jobs right so absolutely I totally get that I mean there's a hardcore schedule product schedule that you have to meet or else they don't have their products on time so I can see from their minds what they're thinking definitely I mean I'm definitely a challenge because I don't like you said fit really into a box Mm because even with the adaptive stuff like I do that outside of work but I've been trying to push for that too so like that adds another factor of me Mm -hmm. being like asking for something yeah, you know? just needs to see the power of the marketing story of what you're doing and telling that story and how important that is and people people will be inspired you know so it's just has to it has to be something new you know you're carving your own lane out it's interesting i mean i did get like a couple messages from these girls at uvm and they're like we're snowboarders like we're trying to learn how to ride park we signed up for park affair and like i was just wondering if maybe we can get a tour of like the craig kelly rapid proto lab because we're in biomedical engineering and I'm just like, that is so cool. Like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, that kind of stuff well, makes me think of it differently. 100%. And, and there's also, like, there's this one element which you crush, which is, like, being fucking good at snowboarding. Crucial part of being paid to be a snowboarder. You got to be fucking good at it, right? You got that covered. That's huge. Thank but you. Then, but then there's this whole other side. Of, with When you look at snowboarders, like, 
who do I, who am I drawn to? Like you start finding out more about the person, you get more interested in them and their personality or what they do. And, and you become interested in somebody as a person, you latch onto their story. Otherwise they're just fucking what GI Joe is going down the course doing crazy tricks. But when you start learning about somebody, you become more fascinated by them. You become, you know, more enamored by what they do. And so, especially somebody like yourself that has a really interesting story, but just so interesting how people like they, their wires just get fucking crossed. It's just like, they want to put you in a box, even with us, with like the, the podcast, you know, me talking to brands, it's, it's a little bit, you know, different in some ways, but very similar because they're like, wait, you're a snowboarder, but you have a podcast, but, uh, which is it? Uh, and it's yeah, like fucking RJD2, their fucking head spinning around and steam's coming out of their ears because they can't figure out what the fuck's going on where it's like, well, you can do both. You mm-hmm. know? And so, not just from a subsidized standpoint, like yeah. actually, like, yeah. you know. Totally. Yeah, I don't know where that rant was going, but it was a good rant. I don't know. It was pretty crazy this past summer. I was able to meet Desiree, who I've been, I've been watching her stuff forever, and like I felt like I knew her personality because it would like shine through in her video parts, and even like on the bomb hole, like listening. I've listened to her bomb hole like five times, I think. Sick. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of crazy. But like actually meeting her in real life, I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go up to her and just be like, yo, you inspired me,' and I just wanted to say that, even if it's cheesy, because like she did, you know. So I went up to her and I was like. Yo, Maggie, by the way, like, you've inspired me so much. I can't even, once again, put it into words. Uh, I just think you're fucking sick. Sorry if it's awkward or weird, but, yeah. And she just, like, looked at me and, like, stared at me for a second. She's just like, I'm inspired by you, too. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. so crazy. That's dope. It was just, really, like, really, really cool. That moment where you meet your hero, and she didn't let you down, huh? No, she invited (laughs) me out, and we would party in New York City and, like, chilled and talked for a long time. That's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. I got another Patreon question. You've been talking about your brother a lot. <laughs> this is from Tucker Zink. What was it like Tucker. growing up riding with your brother all the time, and how did that shape your riding style? <laughs> oh, what's up, Tucker? You know um, Tucker. Yeah, Tucker Zink, manager of Darkside. He's the man. Oh, sick. There we go. Yeah, growing up with Joey was freaking awesome because we had so many similar interests. Like We basically were interested in the exact same stuff all the time. Except for, like, he had no interest in engineering, and, like, he was, like, really into, like, filming and editing and stuff, and, like, I just never really grasped it like he did. So, I don't know, we were always riding together and filming, like, sponsor me tapes and trying to send them out to people and pushing each other. Like, at Killington, I remember we we were up to Killington, we never hit anything, like, from the side, like, urban style, and we were just like, this is fucking crazy, like, how do we hit this thing? And, like, we both went through it together, like, figured out how to, like, 50 a down rail basically then you move on from there and then like he got to the point where his riding like progressed mine immensely progressed past mine like immensely but like we still have similar riding styles sometimes I find like a little bit of like weird stuff that maybe he wouldn't see but he knows what I like to ride so I don't know it's kind of crazy like we were always pushing each other like I remember um when I first learned how to backflip I like was a I have always just not been very like comfortable in the air or like on jumps so my first backflip was like off a rail (laughs) Which is, like, so That weird. makes zero sense. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I was, like, off a cannon, I remember. Like, any USASA. And I was, like... Oh, she had the contest. She had the yeah. contest. I was, like, I need to do this. And Joey's, like, you got it. You that's don't need the to winning hit move. I'm, like, just do it off this thing. And I'm, like, if Joey's saying it, he knows how I ride. I'm going to flip off this thing. And, like, I landed it. 
just felt so good. That's one like, of the more bizarre things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I know, it's super weird. Well, here, but I that, have a good place defines... to learn a backflip. Uh, pole jam. <laughs> right You're like, uh, no, that's a horrible idea. But yeah. That I'm defines like out. how I grew up riding with Joey, though. <laughs> yeah. Like that stories alone. He's just like, I'll stand next to it and like I'll film it on my phone. But like it was a flip phone. Mm-hmm. So like that kind of a thing. I don't know. It's been really cool. Like if I'm doing comfortable lines through Sugarbush, he's like, yo, come hit this thing that I've been hitting that is fun and i'm like oh i didn't even think about that thing mm-hmm. like i just get like got too stuck in my ways but he's always like yo try like switch back three out or try like something like random that like maybe just won't register if mm-hmm. we're like casually lapping so that's like my favorite part of riding with him and also like from a filming standpoint it's crazy because with the uninvited like i totally understand why it's hard for girls to, to get in on these trips and have these filmers like it's like such an opportunity and so difficult sometimes to like have someone there to film you in the first place like I was talking to Madison Blackley about this this past summer. We were, like, playing golf and just, like, walking and talking for a really long time. But she was explaining, like, buddy cam and how she's really only filmed with girls and how, like, she was able to make it work. And that's just something I haven't thought of because I've had, like, Joey being, like, I'm always here to film you. I'm down. Like, if you find something, I'll drop everything and we're going to go hit this ledge at UVM or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think it's a, it was just different and cool. Like, I've... I love it. I love him so much. Yeah, that's incredible. Let's give Joey an air horn. First of all, i got to say, you got to watch the Spotheads videos. Check out. He's got some bangers. The 50 to nose slide pop over into the concrete bank. Out of oh, hand. Love it. That clip is so gas. But second of all, uh, you know, the, the built-in buddy of a brother that's saying, you need that You need that person a lot of times because it's all, so funny. You, you ride park, you get stuck in a rut, you're just taking the same line. Somebody's like, hey, come hit the big line with me. And you're like, well, <laughs> Okay, because you asked me, but I wouldn't do it. You know, exactly. like you need, like, exactly I would have stayed it. over here unless you said, "Hey, follow me on the jumps. They're the big jumps. They're fun, or whatever." You know, but that's so crucial when you find that person to help elevate your your riding like that. Definitely, and I would like to think that like the same thing happens with him in the sense that he knows that he knows that I've seen him ride since we were little ass kids. So like. I don't know. We were at this rail the other day and he's like, what do you think? Jar- oh, we both call each other Jargs. Yeah. So he's like, what do you think Jargs? Like, how is that? And I was just like, mm, like you need a little more poke or like you need to delay it a little longer, a little more rail. And he's like, that's what I thought too. That's what I thought too. And he like <laughs> <laughs> runs back why up. Why Jargs? Yeah. Why Jargs? So, oh my God. In my like third grade class, this girl Zoe started calling me Margo because my full name is Margaret and I do not like being called Margaret. I really don't like it. And so she started calling me Margo and then Margs and then I started calling her Zargs and then Zargs started calling Joey Jargs, but then Joey liked Jargs, so he started calling me Jargs, so we've just been calling each other Jargs, Jargs. forever. There it is. <laughs> Jargs and Jargs. I heard there's a people's court on Yo Beat. Uh, <laughs> and uh, who won that? I <laughs> Oh my god. The people's court on Yo Beat like kind of changed our lives a little bit. <laughs> so Brooke Geary pinned pinned us up against each other and I came home and Joey was like on the couch, I could tell he was so bummed. And I was like, Joey, what's wrong? He's like, we're being like roasted in the comments. Like everyone's like, who are these kids playing heavy like rap on their lame ass parts? Like blah, blah, blah. Like calling out the swivels and the zeeches and like just like funny stuff. And um, mine just like, <laughs> just got like so many more likes. I remember Joey was so <laughs> bummed. <laughs> and I won the Arnett goggles and I sold them to one of our friends at, at sundown. And I think I like split the money with him or something. I was like, here you go. Like, don't worry about it. You but we were, were pretty young at that point. Right. Yeah. This was like, it's on our Killington four, five, six YouTube account. <laughs> George Sam was watching it the other day. That's a CeeLo reference. Gunner right? would be yeah, proud. She, yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't supposed to have been. It was just a password. Oh, it was. Okay. <laughs> wow. Perfect. 
Um, killer. Well, we've been cruising right along. We almost skipped over uh, a great little thing that we do called the pub beer mm. crapshoot. Now, pub beer, you're you're chugging one of those uh, delicious beverages as we speak, huh? How is it? Nice and smooth. Nice. Their motto is cheap, fun beer. They support the podcast as a presenting sponsor. So if you're looking to have a couple, George and Edge Catch are both uh, chugging some can here in the in the background of the set. But if you're thinking about going out and having one or two beers or getting absolutely savagely blacked out, what do you want to pick, buds? It's Friday night. Let's get savagely blacked out. Just kidding. So what do you want to? What's your beverage of choice for that? Uh, to, oh, it's pub beer. Every there time. it is. Yeah. It's, that's what it is. Yep. Every time. That's like a no-brainer. Yeah, stupid question. Sorry, this is a bad question. Okay, here we go. We're going to get into the pub beer crapshoot. Welcome to the pub beer crapshoot. Sidebar, I think I'm supposed to say you're supposed to drink responsibly, too. That's yes. so just to let you guys Always. know. So blackout responsibly. Okay, so... Um, if you're going to blackout, have a driver and a care handler, maybe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> just yes. Um, so what you do is you roll the dice. Uh, the goon gear is a six. And whatever it lands on, I'll tell you what you got to do. Alrighty. Uh, seven. seven. Oh, this is a great one. This is my favorite question on the whole sheet. Ooh. Seven, who is your favorite person to party with? Definitely George, and I'm not just saying that because you're here. <laughs> what makes George so good at partying is what I'm wondering. <laughs> He's always hyping everyone up. Also, if there's fights, he usually like mediates things. He's a good mediator. Mm, okay. But he, he has <laughs> like just chill. the right amount of level-headedness, but also gets fucked up just enough. So he's, he walks that line perfectly. Yeah, he balances it for sure. He's also always down to go out and do fun things. So if we're trying to go to like Perfect. a concert or maybe do some crowd surfing, he's definitely going to be the one picking me up. <laughs> you need a friend like that. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the bomb hole of the week. Let's talk about Zip Tech, and we're not talking about Johnny Russia here, buds. What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, Johnny Russia would have 20 zippers all over. Zip Tech is just one zipper that connects your jacket to your pants. It's patented. It's going to keep you out on the slopes longer. Keep you dry if you're going to be like edge catch over here, catching his edge aggressively. Absolutely. Uh, do you think it would have benefited Maggie when she was stuck in the freezer? Oh, yeah. If she had had Zip Tech, she would have been in there at least 30 minutes without having to uh, She might have been sweating. Be yeah, she'd probably Maybe be eat hot. the ice cream in the freezer? Yeah, yeah she would have ate the ice cream and escaped and just been cool. Cool okay. about it. Um, awesome. So what's going on? We got a giveaway going on here? Yeah, what we need you to do is on Instagram, upload your favorite bales and uh, hashtag Volcom Bombproof, and we're going to pick a winner every week. And this week, um, we're going to get some swag out to you. Bombhole swag, Volcom swag. It's going to be picked by a Volcom team rider. What's the hashtag? Volcom bombproof. All right, buds, should we hit a Patreon? Yeah, let's hit a Patreon. Uh, Chris, why is Patreon important? Well, buds, I'll tell you why. Basically, it's what keeps the lights on in this building. We are funded by the people. We're funded by our sponsors. And we're funded by the fact that you guys support us by purchasing merch so thank you to all of our patreon members out there you guys kick ass with that being said you get to ask a guest question you get to submit them every guest we have and uh just like who we got here we got gabe strand i like his question what is it like being part of the east coast scene when there seems to be so much going on in the west coast it's a great question love you gabe gabe's my best friend so my air horn seems like you get a lot of best friends yeah like a handful of people handful. that it's just like, it seems like that right now, but dope. yeah, a handful of people I'm super tight with, but yeah, Gabe, um, it's interesting. There's definitely a slight disconnect between East and West coast scenes just because I feel like Salt Lake right now is such a hub that like everyone's out here 
And the scene in Burlington is relatively small. Like there's a bunch of people that we ride with that, you know, aren't like, there aren't really that many pros, I guess you could say a lot of like local kind of weekend warrior type people. But, um, yeah, it's been interesting. We go up to Canada a lot, actually. So we're only an hour from the border in Burlington. So if I'm speaking about East coast scenes, I'm definitely talking Canada too. So we can easily go up to Montreal and we have some really good friends up there like Dave Brown, who he's the man. I saw you looking at the soundboard. <laughs> yeah. He runs a, a camp, which is like a five day camp that a lot of people don't know about. It's um, have you heard of it? Nope. It's this camp up in St. Sever and it's from July 1st to July 6th. And you can basically ride a rope tow for, I don't know, from noon to eight at night. Damn. And he does like a break in between and every single day he gets up at like 5am changes around the rail setup. He loves like white, fresh snow. And so he preserves the snow from the season and then uses it for a camp and you camp at the bottom and there's a mini ramp at the bottom. It's next to a water park. It's like one of, it's literally my favorite week of the entire summer. And yeah, Dave runs all of that just by himself. And it's kind of cool because, so that's actually called snow farming. We had a question about it in my thermo, applied thermodynamics class in college about snow farming. So I was able to like use the square footage that Dave was covering. And like, we actually pulled like a bunch of data from that area of Quebec. And I used it for like a, a Python kind of like computing software thing. Was able to like, figure out how much snow would have melted over a certain amount of time qualitatively. I don't know how realistic it was, but I just found that really funny how like in school I was able to like do that and like use kind of Dave's zone. But anyway, he preserves it. It's the sickest thing ever. Everyone comes out for it. There's a really cool scene in Montreal, like around the trash bar area, they do premieres and now they have a uh, Ojo's park and they're mm -hmm. actually hoping to put a rope tow in there. That'd be unreal which is really, really cool. I just think the East Coast scene gets like slightly overlooked when there's a lot of really cool shit going on. And another cool thing is we've been going to Massachusetts a lot because my girlfriend lives there. Oh, let's just go. I'm going to go super air horn. I'm a, I'm a little biased. <laughs> Vermont should have got the super. No, no, no. The <laughs> Massachusetts is Come on, bro. the greatest state in this entire <laughs> country. Let's just be totally honest. But yeah, go on about Massachusetts. Keep going. Yeah, so I just think there's, I mean, there's the classic spots that everyone's seen. But there's a lot of really cool stuff because everything's been so built up lately that like in these tech center areas, like in Lexington, Arlington, all these different zones that are on hills, like kind of natural spots, mm -hmm. haven't been hit yet because people mm -hmm. don't know that they're there. Mm -hmm. So we did like a couple trips and like found some really cool stuff. And now that, I mean, we're homies with Gary now. And so I think he'd be down to come out and take some more photos always. But um, I just, I think that there's a lot of really cool stuff to be done in Massachusetts, like okay. around Boston. Yeah, that's Especially because they just got a dumping too. Joey's... I think heading there tomorrow. Absolutely. I think every pro snowboarder that rides the streets in the U.S. is in the East Coast right now. Mm -hmm. It's and pretty people cool. People maybe forget about that. The East is, has a lot of street spots, and Salt Lake's not really getting the snow we used to. So, East is on the map. That's yeah. where Boston's where I spent filmed a lot of most of my shit over the years. I mean, there's a, there's ton, tons and tons of spots there. But you briefly said. Uh, your girlfriend lives in Boston. Now you have a crazy schedule. You live in Vermont. How do you manage? Uh, so she's actually an oncology nurse, a cancer nurse in Mass General, at Mass General. And her dad... Give her an air horn for that. Yeah, she's a badass. Her dad's a doctor on the same floor, so they work together. Oh, sick. Oh, wow. Which is, like, pretty incredible. We've been doing long distance for a while, but it's worked out because, I mean, it's kind of cool. So I fly out of Boston for a lot of different things, and she takes Snoopy because we raised Snoopy together. So she can watch Snoopy, we can post up, maybe film for the week, George came, like stuff like that. It just makes it like really easy. The drive's only like three hours. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, her schedule's insane too. Like George and I didn't even see her when we went. So I saw uh, her for like some, an hour maybe. That seems like when there's two people on busy schedules, it's manageable. But when you got 
one person not busy and one person very busy, that's when you run into issues, I think. With that. Definitely. I think so, too. And, like, the cool thing is, like, she's not, like, a snowboarder snowboarder. She snowboards, like, recreationally. Sick. Which is cool because, like, she's come to all the premieres and, like, gets it. Like, she's good friends with, like, all of us, obviously. So, I don't know. It's kind of cool having, like, that perspective. Just being, like, chill the fuck out. You're fine. Like, you didn't get a clip for one weekend. You'll get it on Monday. Like, come to Boston. Like, mm-hmm. we're good. So, I don't know. It's cool because, like, she 100% respects what I do and, like, nursing is like a full-time thing it's like really intensive especially like I don't know it's kind of crazy it's come like full circle because my dad with cancer and everything like I learn a lot about what her patients are going through and like what these families are reacting like and it's similar to like our family so I don't know I just think what they do what her and her dad do they're like superheroes basically like it's we're just snowboarding and having fun and they're doing like crap that's just to me like it's so incredible yeah they're helping but, helping humanity yeah. that's incredible yeah and so I don't know like, we give each other the space, and, like, nothing is ever forced. It's not like, oh, I need to go down there. It's like, I want to, mm-hmm. which I think is, like, the biggest part of it. Yeah, that's it's only three hours. That's not, yeah. That's not, yeah, that's pretty mellow. That's not, that's not too bad. Uh, Especially go- when schedules are crazy anyway. Yeah. yeah. So. And then going back, talking about, um, you know, perspective, I think that's such a that's such a great point to talk about, too, because when you look at what we do, as snowboarders, like, I remember my world was, like, fucking horse blinders just thinking about tricks for so long. And you're like, I didn't, I'm, like, crying because I didn't front board the kink today. Oh, <laughs> God. It's like, nobody gives a shit. Like, you, you got people, she's, like, helping people with cancer and stuff. You're like, dude, your problem's not really a fucking problem, you know? It's great to have that. Yeah, it's all perspective. It is. And it's kind of, like, refreshing, too, because you're like, fuck it, I will get a, another clip. Yeah, you know? like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So. If you get hurt, she can nurse you back into shape. Oh my God, she broke her uh, <laughs> scapula last season because she was <laughs> trying to like ollie over this like little bush, like pushing herself a little bit into like this tranny at Sugarbush. Landed like fully broke her scapula, like bad, bad. Like it's been, it's still recovering. It's been ten months, mm-hmm. like it, insane. Did the muscle tear too in the behind there? Because that's yeah, and the humerus broke too. Yeah. So like there's like <clears throat> there were trunks floating around that they had to like move around. Oh no, I felt so bad because I was like, oh no. You're just trying to ollie this little bush, and, like, she was pushing herself for sure. But I don't know. I thought it was collarbone because I've done it so many times. Yeah. I'm like, it's uh, totally collarbone. Totally good. Collarbone, but, like, the you're muscles. Is and, all then, yeah. and then Joey breaks his collarbone earlier this season, and Kate's there, and she's like, I hope it's not scapula. It's just a clean <laughs> collarbone break. She's like, you're fucking lucky. Like, mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> well, we've been, we've been uh, cruising along. I think it's time to get into Hot Takes. Now, Hot Takes is presented by Oakley Goggles. Uh, I've been rocking the Go- the Gokleys, not the Gokleys. I've been rocking the Oakleys though, and they are. I'll tell you what. You can basically see it. It's flat light. I feel like it's uh, Bluebird out there. The lenses are insane. Yeah, how were those last ones at the park in uh, Minneapolis? I was wearing goggles in the streets. I know it's frowned upon. Uh, it's not cool, quote unquote. But I'm I'm out of touch. I'm out of touch. I don't know what the fuck's cool anymore. But I think these goggles are cool. So get yourself some Oakley line miners. Uh, we're gonna start off with the. Uh, token of the show uh, we say goat greatest of all time or you know i like to use the michael jordan reference because he's kind of my basketball goat um and you know we usually do male and female but uh who are your top picks for for the goats similar answers to before but 100 percent lucas and jessica Mora. just it. from an inspirational side like Couple yeah, a couple of real goats right there. Yeah, actual the animal they were from the goat family. I, think. <laughs> I like that answer. It's not. Well, I don't think we've gotten we've got uh-huh. Jess a lot. Yeah, um, and also another thing Jess doesn't quite get the shine for too is like she has the most 
I think rider of the years out of anybody, but so she doesn't, she doesn't get brought up in the conversation when you're like, who's got the most rider of the years. And you like people might mention the dude. So definitely it's like important to mention her accolades in that conversation always too. Yeah. I mean, the re- also like her riding resonated with me so hard because I was kind of on that same level where I was like trying like the backflip off a cannon, like stuff like that, like stupid shit. Like I was trying stuff that I definitely probably shouldn't do, but like, I don't know. It was pretty cool to see. Honestly, some of her slams, I'm like, fuck yeah, just mm-hmm. sick. She like goes back and gets it. Mm-hmm. Like, that was changed my life for sure. Well said. All right. Next question <laughs> we have is who's the most underrated? Who you got? Johnny O'Connor. Wow. Like that answer. I'm going air horn for that answer. I think I, I like that. And yeah. I don't think we've heard that Mm-mm. yet. Well said. I just feel like a lot of his clips get overlooked and they're all so fucking heavy. Like I haven't seen a clip that he's filmed that I haven't been like, what the fuck? He only only he, hits. He doesn't clips, film right? B roll. Yeah, he, he doesn't, doesn't do film, he doesn't film B roll. Strictly Enders. Yeah. Strictly. No like filler clips. Hams. It's all yeah. A grade. Straight A grade beef. Okay. Uh I know you're not super into you make it sound like you're not super into the powder scene, but le- our idealistic thing we we like to ask is like if you're gonna go heliboarding with three people, you know, pristine powder run, good times boarding, running your life. Who would you be, and would you go heliboarding, or would you go to a rope tow with an insane park? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would go heliboarding because I probably wouldn't be able to experience that more than once. Yep. I would have Doyle fly because he's got his heli license. Wow. Oh, wow. He's so actually so, getting So you can me... do four because he's, dr- he's a oh, pilot, yeah. so you, you still have three seats. Okay. So you have three seats. You got All three right. seats still. So Doyle's flying. Yep. Jess is definitely coming, Jess Kimura. Okay. <laughs> uh, Joey and George. Wow. George, you made it in the heli. How you feel? He's live in the audience. Oh, dude, I don't think I could ride a pow. <laughs> <laughs> I've like rare. I haven't even really ridden powder. I'm like, good thing Jess is going to be able to set you guys straight. Who do you think would tomahawk the hardest uh, going down the powder? <laughs> <Welcome zip tech>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going to need some zip tech. <laughs> Around a zip tech for the whole heli. All right, we uh, we ask about you know in the lift line. You got some snow on your board. We talk about the uh, the obnoxious beaver slap where you smack your tail on the ground. Now, do you like get in there and are you kind of letting it bark? Oh, I love line? it. You let I it bark. Love it. Yeah. Oh, we've been beaver slapping <laughs> since day one. Wow. Okay. You got to let I them know you're there. When you first started asking that question, I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've never really like you know what's really funny is Leah's. Uh, I guess they're engaged now. Oh. Leah's Leah's sister is is dating or engaged to this guy, Patty, who's a skier. And it was, he brought it to my attention. He was like, what's with you guys in the lift line, like slapping your tail so hard. So I got to give him credit where credit's due. Cause that's, that's where we started talking about it. I'm like, Oh my God, we do do that. Skiers, <laughs> so funny. skiers don't do it. They slap their pole on there. Yeah. They can on take there. it. On Remember the we'd go for like after school programs. It would, that's when the beaver slap was real. Mm-hmm. Everyone would be like, who can like slap it louder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just obnoxious. You guys hitting Bolton Valley in the nights. We have been actually. So Gabe runs uh, he's a program coordinator for chill, the chill foundation. So I've been, yeah. Explain what that is real quick too, because that's dope. So Chill is a foundation that's um, an extension of Burton. They basically give back to underprivileged youth. Um, last year with the slide and tour, Mizeb and Miles all volunteered and worked with these kids and just kind of rode with them, taught them a few things. But since Gabe got the job recently, I've been going on Tuesday nights and just like going back and seeing some of the kids that I met on the slide and tour and just teaching them a couple things. And it's been, it's unreal. I love it. I think it's like, snowboarding needs this hoods mm-hmm. to woods chill foundation are both like incredible the amount of impact it has on these kids is like next level you know 
So Chilly. Yeah, otherwise they wouldn't get out there, right? Right. Bolton was my home mountain, so I always appreciate the night ride. Really? There. Yeah, after high school, we'd be able to go like twice a week. It's sick. Yeah. The park's a little bit better now, too. There wasn't a park when I was there. Oh, so that was in, was in uh, 1401? Yeah, four, 1462. <laughs> oh, 1462. Okay. Well, we got one more question for hot takes, kind of a long hot takes here, but uh, where's Trent? When people hit you up on Instagram, you have full on conversations and they don't say hi in real life. Wow. I've never experienced that. Oh, I've experienced it but so I don't, many times. But I'm not like DMing. Mad peeps, you know what I mean? You know who's a good example that proved me wrong? Mike Rav. Oh, sick. Yeah, we've, like, talked a bit on sick. Instagram back and forth, and I saw him on the flight back from Duluth, and he spotted me, like, because we were on the same flight. Yes. And he was like, yo, like, what's good? I was like, that's, that, that that's, made me really happy. That's, that's how sick. people should be. Actually, I realized why I never experienced that. I just always say what's up to everybody. True. Before True. anyone has a chance to say <laughs> I, what up. I was also thinking about when I was my – I had – this sounds weird, and I, I have a lot of DMs. That sounds like – I don't know how to say that, like – I don't there's a lot of communication happening in my inbox oh, with a lot of people and I'm just realizing that I'm sure that I've talked to people and had not known that it's the person I was talking to yeah, I don't look at their factor. I don't always look at their profile yeah. somebody sends me a long message I don't click on their profile just answer their question and keep going so if I've done that I'm sorry I wasn't uh, I'm gonna make a public service I just, it's just different this day and age with social media you yeah. know yeah, totally. Are you talking people that you've talked to a lot or people that have just, you've only talked to once? People I've talked to a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not just like a quick like question. Like, quick they, question. they like your stuff, they comment on your stuff, and yeah. then you're like, what up? They're like, oh, hi, what's your name? Yeah, what's I could see that. <laughs> That's what's up. Okay. Uh, another, I, I want to get into something, because we've been going for a bit, but I still, I'm still interested in what you got going on. I want to know on a more of a broader picture of, as far as product stuff goes. Where do you think the future of product development is going? I don't know if you're even allowed to talk to this or you guys signed to NDA or something, but like, where do you think the future of snowboard products is headed from your perspective? On the boot side of things, there's a lot that I think is going to change, especially with like line. I've been working a lot with like liner integration, liner to shell stuff and like um, lacing patterns and rooting systems, stuff like that. I think there's a lot of really cool stuff to be done there, especially like outsole materials, I don't know, stuff along those lines. I think there's a lot of really cool boot stuff mm-hmm. still that is happening. Um, what about uh, sustainability within production of boards? I think, I hate to say it, but like board R&D is sort of like leveling out in a sense where like there's still a lot to be done. I think the growth that we will see on the product side of boards is within the sustainability realm. Okay. For sure. And like, then, Oh yeah, you want to elaborate or no? Kind of, yeah. So like I think a lot of the cool stuff that, that Capita is doing. It's also interesting. So there's this board company it was called Pow Snowboards based in Burlington. My friend TJ ran it. They were all like, everything was locally sourced, like eco-based materials that are recyclable, which uh, the biggest issue is with the resins, I think too. So I don't really know what the recycling process for these crazy materials looks like, but I do think that like, there's a lot of really cool stuff to be done. And Capita has do- done a great job. I think leading the charge there. What about the fact of the matter? Sometimes I think about the revolving door of products each and every single year where it's like you have this line, you have, let's just say 20 snowboards and you have basically like you have to, you have to just jam these things down everybody's throats. And then if they don't sell, like you got to bring them to a big box distributor where what about like a less uh, seasonal line, like a more, a more, uh, like carryover where it wasn't such a seasonal buy-in. 
Have you ever thought about any stuff like that? Yeah, I definitely think like, especially with unisex products. So like with the family tree line, I think it really like hones in on what boards they want to include in the line. Definitely trims it out quite a bit. But um, yeah, there are definitely a lot of boards out there for sure. It's kind of cutting down on some of the excessive boards that maybe have similar features to other models within the within the line currently. Seems mm-hmm. a little bit overkill. Totally, absolutely, yeah. Um, okay, killer. Well, we on that along that line, we got to ask you what your exact setup you ride is. You can talk outerwear, boots, bindings, boards, how you set it up, the whole the whole nine. All right. So I'll start with the board. So it's cool. I actually made this one myself. Um, I've been through the process of building a board probably like five, four or five times at this point, um, just because it takes a little while to like really dial in the core profile. So I worked, I work really closely with the board builders, Grant and Thunder over at Craig's. Grant actually like helped me build our winch and stuff. So he's taught me a lot, but yeah, so I worked with him to really dial it in. So how it works is I know that I like the layup of the current talent scout, right? but I think it's a little bit too stiff in certain areas for me. So we go through and we profile the board out, meaning they go into the G code of the machine that's actually taking away a certain amount of material from the core. And um, and then once you build out the board, you apply a known weight at different sections of the board, measure out the displacement, and then you enter the displacement into uh, this like Excel spreadsheet that kind of outputs uh, flex or elastic inertia values to give you an idea of how you can compare boards of different waist widths, lengths, layups, all these different things. So it gives you like a, basically a universal number. So like I could compare my numbers with like Danny Davis's numbers, kind of get an idea of how stiff mine is. Mine's are, mine's going to be a little bit lower because it is smaller. It takes that into account, but it's a little bit dragged out with tolerances and stuff. Um, but usually with team riders, we go through the process of building multiple boards and sometimes we don't even send them. Danny's an exception because he's always down to ride like stuff that doesn't always fit exactly what he's looking for which I, I think is fucking sick. He's super down to ride anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people are a little bit more particular. It's also interesting because the marketing team might want you on a different board than you're riding, so they'll slap different graphics on it, which, like, for me, so this is actually a Talent Scout 38. I used to ride the Social 38 mold because we didn't have one that was my size, and this is pressed in Craig's, and Craig's doesn't have cavities that press my size board. So for the first couple boards for Killer Row Shoots, Grant and Thunder had to shim uh, the tip and tail raise or like lift and then kind of shim and eye up the, uh, the camber line to make sure they can build out something that I could at least ride. Um, and then after they did that, we kind of went back in and built a cavity together. And I decided I like the side cut of, um, the talent scout and I like the shape of the talent scout. So I was like, okay, I'll go with this standard 138 mold and then refine the, um, stiffness of my core. So we took, it's about 15 to 20% softer. Um, so that's the board I'm riding right now. And I'm riding the Lexa X bindings. It's a glass filled binding high back. So it's a little bit stiffer than the standard Lexa, which I I think is a nylon 12. As for, uh, strap setups, I tend to pull the ladder up on the lateral side and then drop the slider on the medial side just to provide a little bit more ankle support on my front foot. And then on the back foot, both sides are dropped all the way so that I can have, um, a little bit more like flexion and mobility. Um, to the inside of my board. So those are like a couple of things I do. And then I was saying I definitely want to kind of cut out some templates to can't can't my bindings a little bit more like Mark's mm-hmm. just because I I'm interested to see what he's been writing. So can't makes the makes it the 
them angle in towards each other a little bit. Yeah, like just knees like, like go this. In. Got it. Yeah, it's so only a few degrees. Nothing too crazy, but I think enough <clears> where you would <throat> notice it. That's really interesting. That we used to sell camp plant camp plates back in the day. Uh, oh no way! Yeah, there was like a moment where they're like the must have. So it's interesting if they come back like that. It's it seems like just thinking about it now. I never really thought about it, but generating uh, a lot of like speed inertia, like for a rotation, the way you can if you were to kind of get your knees the way. Think about like a skateboard. Like if you load up a back three on a skateboard, you actually like kind of push on both sides to pressurize it before you 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 snap the back three, and it's like it's kind of would be like the like the canted stuff you're talking exactly. about. exactly. Yeah, and people seem to love it. So it I'm gonna feels give better that a on try. Some people's knees, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Just the way so if you're gonna is. boil that down to somebody that was a consumer, what what setup would you recommend that they could go buy off the shelves? Uh, Talent Scout 38 and Lexa X's. Okay, perfect. Yeah, you got the species though. It's so yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's I've, been fun. I've never seen like the uh, degree of technicality described in a snowboard yeah, setup so that you sick. just explained to us is like. I'm but, like I, I know but then it's forwardly. Look, look I, at my base. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been uh, dragged across pavement for about forty-eight <laughs> miles. Like. So, yeah, I think uh, so. It looks like you're really tech with your setup, judging by the base. It seems like it's <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. <laughs> Thing's not going to go the, very fast. The most yes. important part of the thing is it's got to fucking move. It's like, she's like, oh, like, I can't do this 3% in one degree. It's like, well, I can't actually make it to the fucking rail because I have sandpaper as a base. Literally. That's Building the board next week, though. Yeah. So that's kind of why I've been putting it off. And then what about boots and outerwear and all that stuff? I read the rituals. I like the articulating cuff just because it allows you to flex your ankle a little bit more. Um, it's a relatively soft boot. I can't really ride stiff boots. I don't love them, but anything too soft blows out quickly and doesn't last for very long. So and then outerwear, I've just been running like, I usually just wear what I'm wearing right now, but with Burton pants. <laughs> there it is. Long sleeve, base layer. It might be a jacket it. up there at Brighton. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think it's going to be like 40. So. Oh, is it? Yeah. Are you a, are you like That's a no sick. goggle, like at the resort person? Yeah, no goggle. I don't like jackets either. I, I've been... I've been starting to like them a little bit more. Like, I'll wear them, like, at spots when we're shoveling and stuff, but I can't ride in them because I just, like, I don't know. I feel kind of constricted. It's, like, well, a weird thing because Joey and I have been riding in hoodies since we were, like, eight. Yeah, you got to respect the cotton. You know, it's, uh, you got to respect, respect, I, I, respect I respect the cotton. I'm not going to lie to you. But the fucking goggle thing, I just got to talk about this for a second because it's, like. Especially on a resort. The resort here in the spring, like, if you're to go in March to Brighton and, like, not wear goggles, your eyeballs are going to, like, burn out of I'll your I wear skull. sunglasses, though. Okay, uh, there it is. Okay. All right. So yeah, I don't like the end. Eye protection. That's key. Yeah. Limited, you know. Well, you got need it. eye protection or else you're kind of blowing it long term. Yeah. So, if you're wearing sun- sunnies, you're all good. I got contacts, too, so it's, like. Double, double protection. Yeah, yeah. in this day and age, you see a lot of talk about inclusivity, you know, word, uh, key word that people talk about all the time, but it seems like your guys' crew, just without forcing it, has just been doing that, right? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say that our crew spotheads is, like, genuinely inclusive. So if someone's trying to come out and film a part, trying to get clips, we're going to let them come with us. It's not just, like, exclusively thinking that we're the shit or not being down to film with other people because of our current dynamic, we're always down to like help people out. So if someone's trying to come out with us and get a clip or maybe try to figure out how to hit their first spot, it's going to be pretty loose and like not too cutthroat about how to go about it. So, so if I, would I say fly like, out to Vermont at 47, you might show me the ropes and dude, get me back out there. Oh, absolutely. Park. Come out. Absolutely. Right. You can stay Let's, in the shed. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Let's get That's buds inclusivity in the shed. right there. 
Well, on one more guest question, which is presented by Capita. Uh, we got one from Zebalon, Zeb Powell, about the spot hits. So here we go. Yo, what up, Chris and Stony Buds? Um, just wanted to ask Maggie what her favorite moments of filming on the spot heads were and um, what she was thinking when she jumped on that train last year. <laughs> Hope you guys are having a good one. Thanks. Train hopping? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. <laughs> favorite moments, though? Always, I love going to Canada and meeting up with Dave Brown and our crew up there. They have spots dialed. It's always successful. I always feel safe and excited. And seeing Ivy posted up at the bottom, just smiling, you know he's not going anywhere. He's ready to keep, he's still stay there for the whole night if you want. Like that's, those are always the best moments. But yeah, jumping on the, jumping on the train, I got a lot of shit for that one. Uh, I don't know why it's like, something's like off in my head sometimes where I'm just it feels like Joey and I are like little kids again he's like Maggie do it and I'm like yeah I'll, I'll do it and so like he prompted me with it he's like you won't jump on I was like yeah I will and it just was like kind of going by we were hitting this uh bridge spot like there's a train that went by so it's like yeah I'll jump on grab the handle like swung my feet like in like literally like under the train and then swung back out and landed and like one of our homies was like on the side like kind of like screaming like telling me to get off and I like actually got off and then Joey was just like I didn't think you were actually gonna do it Oh, my God. <laughs> and, like, Jess said she couldn't use it in the Uninvited because she said everyone kind of was already hating on the new helmet thing. She's like, I don't know if uh, we should use the train liability clip. Ooh, too gnarly. It's in Spotheads, though. Yeah, the iPhone clip is, like, crazy. Like, Nora Beck filmed it on her iPhone, and, like, I put it on my story after she filmed it, and I probably got, like, 100 DMs of people being, like, like people that I'm close with being, like, please don't do this. <laughs> like, it's not that crazy. People jump on trains all the time, but I think it's because... Because of the swing. Yeah, you could have. There's a lot of Yeah, I, did, I definitely swung under a train. But you also are jumping on kink rails where you get folded in half, too. Or yeah, whatever. but then you get a clip. This is just like me being an idiot. Well, it's a clip, though. In my <laughs> opinion, a, clip a good a clip. clip. I mean, a timeline. Entertainment a timeline. value is yeah. important. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize the importance of entertainment value. That's but true. Yeah, you don't want to scare uh, scare the loved ones there. Well, killer. <laughs> let's. Uh, let's. We're pretty much there, but I got to ask, like, what's what's next for Maggie Leon? What do we got on the docket? I'm definitely hoping to build out the adaptive department at Burton just because currently it's not really a department. It's just kind of me side hustling. Um, so ideally, I think that would be really, really cool to actually help this this community that's, like, especially underserved because um, it, it feels really good to be able to help someone get on snow because we get to experience that all the time as able-bodied riders. And if we could help someone feel more comfortable and confident on snow, that's the ultimate goal. And also on the R&D side of things, there's so much to be done. Like you can get very, very creative. Um, during my senior year, we actually developed this uh, exoskeleton that housed all the critical dimensions of Stepon. So the, the prosthetic wasn't in a boot at all. It just was like contained within this, like it looked like a croc kind of, this like little croc thing. So they can step right into the system and then change the air pressure, change whatever they needed to, maybe tighten a couple things, change your stance without putting it in a boot at all, because they don't need to keep the foot warm. But at Burton, I haven't really been able to expand upon that just because we aren't a prosthetic company and we don't do that. But I do think there's a lot of really cool stuff that could come out of it. So ideally, like, working with those riders primarily and, like, just helping get more people on snow, I think would be really freaking cool. Love it. Love what so. you're doing for Snowboard and Maggie. It's, uh, it's awesome. It's Thanks. incredible. And I just want to say, uh, before we get out of here, if you want to throw out some thank yous, uh, to people that have helped you along the way or yeah absolutely definitely want to thank Doyle for introducing me to all of these things that I didn't even know I'd be interested in um, 
I want to thank Joey for being the best brother ever. Uh, George for coming out with me. Kate for always being there. My mother for being the absolute best and always being down to have fun and support us. Um, and yeah, I mean, Cole, everyone at Cole, everyone at Darkside. Darkside's been a monumental, like, played a monumental role in my career on both the engineering side and on the snowboard side. But yeah, Burton has been really cool, um, giving me some time to ride, giving me some time to develop things and figure out what I'm actually interested in, which is helping these people get on snow and developing inline products. So that's been pretty sick. And um, yeah, I think that's everyone. Absolutely. Oh, and Jess and Gabe and Jessica Moore. <laughs> well, and also everybody out there, if you forgot anybody, they know yeah, that they you're, know. You're, you, you could talk for about four hours and doing that because there's been a lot of people along the way, I'm sure. But uh, we just want to say thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for everything that you're doing for snowboarding. And also thank you for everybody that listens and watches the show. You guys fucking rule. So we will see you next week. We got another episode next Wednesday. We are over and out from the bomb hole. Thank you guys.